to the WTF forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. All right, what the fuck's happening, everybody? How we doing? Welcome to the What the Fuck Forum. I am Mike the Polymath from the Easy Peasy Podcast, and we've got a good bunch of what the fuckers hanging out here tonight. Um, you know, I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for a new intro song. I think we've got something like in the works. There was there was a little bit of scuttlebutt maybe a week or two ago. We got to finish that. And that might be more on me than anybody. But Fido put together some music for us. I think we need to change up the intro. Um, but I'll pass it around the horn. We've got a good a good group here tonight. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'll pass it over for now to Stella Q. Hey, always good to be here with you guys. It is almost the Brady Bunch, isn't it? It's just that Mike's mm-hmm. like the uh, absent father. Um, yeah, Stella Q here with, <laughs> with my friends. Um, from Union of the Unknowns and occasionally the Propaganda Report. And my dear friend Ashley, my co-unknown. Uh, over to you, Bear. Thanks, Stella. I'm Bear Snare, thebearsnare.com, and my podcast is My Friends Hate Freedom. I'm happy to be with here here with you all tonight. Um, what's up, Drizzle? Uh, I am happy to be alive, Bear. Uh, and I hope you are too. Uh, I am the drizzle. I am the host of GTW Liberty radio and maybe the earliest survivor of hurricane Otis. What do you think about that? OG dad bod. Uh, well, I'm still not sure how the hurricane hit, uh, since earth is flat. Uh, but I'm OG dad bod, OG dad bod one on Twitter and, uh, host of the really shitty podcast, whole lot of nothing. Uh, I just wanted to say, fuck Palestine, free bands, and uh, it's over to Ashley. (laughs) Oh, boy. OG is really letting go this evening. Well, um, hey, everybody. I'm super happy to be here. I feel like gang's all here. Uh, We're missing our buddy Fido, but um, everyone else, it's really good to see y'all. And uh, yes, I'm happy to be here with my pod mate, Stella, fellow unknown. Happy to see the drizzle again. Uncle Rob, Ando, Bear Snare, Mike, OG. It's great. Happy to be here. Uh, Rob. Hey, it's Rob here at the Black Lives Podcast. And I barely made it because I was halfway to dumping gasoline on my shop and my OBS computer so I could just be done with it once and for all. Um, 
but it's still up there mocking me. Yes, mocking me. So um, do a little show called Black Labs. Uh, the LAQ, LABS, don't try and put a CK or a K. Don't put three Ks in it. Don't do any of that. Um, I'm on Spotify sometimes, and it's good to be here and see all of you after a very long uh, hiatus slash mental health break. Glad Isn't you're that here, every Ron. kind of break? <laughs> every break's a mental health break, right? No, some <laughs> of them are meant to break my mental health, actually, but that's side the point. <laughs> right. Well, what's up? I'm Ando, Burn Babylon Burn and the Doom Kitchen, and I've got other things up in the works, but I'm also so freaking busy that it's hard to do anything. Um, I just burnt my hand. What's up, everybody? Chilling, bro, chilling. You know, speaking of mental health breaks, there's been a few pretty public mental health breaks lately in the uh, in the news, right? Uh, I heard about some guy trying to crash a plane. Did y'all did y'all pick that one up? Yes, sir. That was Mr. Weird. Stick Yanker. He wanted to grab them sticks and yank them. That's for damn sure. He's going to be part of the LGBTQ community. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think in a way there might there's a lot of connections to be drawn between this guy and between um we've heard of a number of folks like I told you guys in the chat like I think the theme tonight is the voices told me to do it right because that seems to be a common theme i don't know am i the only one seeing that or is it seems to pop up pretty often it's a thing it's a thing I saw, yes i saw a graphic where somebody had done maybe eight or ten different shooters uh their news headline where it said that they had been hearing voices i'll see if i can find that just reminds me of that old saying the devil made me do it Hey, I just, as an aside, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, all the repeaters out here are having uh, check-in calls, I barely hear you. and uh, I find that very interesting timing. So, speaking of crazy. So, say that again. I'm sorry. There was an, the, the other voice in there kind of threw me. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, ham radio repeaters are having check-in tonight, and it's been going on for hours. It's nonstop. Welcome. There's usually not this much traffic. Just mm. saying. Yeah. I don't know if it's a federal, um, if it's been federally prescribed to do this, or if it's uh, just people just preemptively going, hey, there's a lot of things going on, and um, they're doing check-ins. So this is like kind of some real-time breaking news here, because I haven't heard shit on my Baofeng hardly for like days at least not since we did that emergency uh the ems service uh check so i find it kind of interesting well shit man that that is halfway concerning um because that's all just voluntary guys right that's not like it's not yeah a lot of them are also a lot of them are also emergency services also so mm. there's a lot of overlap, but yeah. So you're hearing voices over the radio, man. Be careful. Be careful. Don't all, do what the voices say. Well, all they're saying is to check in. So I don't know if they want my baggage or if I'm, you know, check in at the FEMA camp. I don't know what kind of check in they're meaning. I need to be careful about that. Mm. 
Well, you know, maybe maybe before I play this first clip, Rob, you told me in kind of, you know, just we were DMing back and forth and you said um, that you're convinced somebody like hacked your equipment here recently. And I mean, is that what did you find out about that? Well, what it looks like is uh, somebody got into my computer and there is a file there that is blocking the ACO drivers. Uh, blocking the input to the ACO drivers into OBS, and it's a very directed file that's doing this. And I've been trying to remove it, and um, I, to to no avail. Um, and I'm kind of afraid to remove it because I don't know if it has, you know, a a, tom, a, uh, a bomb sequence on it that when you try and uninstall it, it automatically deletes the hard drive or what. So I'm trying to figure out how to extract this now. Um, I took all the equipment and switched it over to my laptop and set up OBS on that, but wasn't completely done, which is why I'm on the potato right now. Um, so, but everything on there worked right away. I plugged it in and it worked. So uh, I, I don't know what's going on. Interestingly enough, this happened right after I installed, right after I installed my uh, VR system too, which it could be related, but it doesn't seem to be because there's some very specific files in there. So um, one theory that somebody had given me about 20 minutes ago was that um, good old Mark, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want you to use your Oculus to do podcasts. So, cause you know, the new Oculus, the, the meta meta three, you could podcast with it. It's pretty cool. Actually, you do streaming and everything. So he was saying that he thinks he had heard that, Facebook has their own app that's going to basically do what OBS does and they don't want competition. So kind of interesting. Hmm. That's wild. Did we, did we lose somebody? Who'd we lose? We no, we're good. We got it. We now you okay. just put us into okay. a different view, different view. Yeah. Oh, that's all. I guess so. Whoop. That's not what, Oh, wow. Look at <laughs> there that. We go. Okay. There well, go. yeah. So somebody, um, shared this this twitter picture um these are a bunch of different headlines of different mass shooters hearing voices right yeah when you see it all put together like that <laughs> mm -hmm. and this this whole thing kind of led me down a rabbit hole of watching a bunch of youtube videos i've kind of <laughs> weeded through all the all the nonsense i think but it led me to this point okay um tulpamancy has anybody in this group heard this term before yes and it's relate uh they've used it in relationship to ai in the past so it's kind of interesting interesting like in terms of giving ai like a persona or what do you yes mean? yes mm -hmm. exactly that wow yeah um I'm trying to remember. Um, there was a fairly famous. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't go on podcasts very much anymore. But uh, he used to be really, like, super popular. I'll I'll see if I can figure out. Um, it was either his name was either Cooper or something. Anyways, um, he talked about AI a lot, and all of a sudden he just quit going on podcasts not too long ago. And uh, he was one of the first people to coin that term, basically saying that uh, they may be imbibing the various AIs with 
actual consciousness slash personality, um, which kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier this week about uh, the reasoning behind them needing so much water for these entrainment, uh, I guess, like entrainment AI camps, right? Entrainment servers that basically kind of conjure the AI. And as everyone knows, water itself can have memory and consciousness that's, that's been bandied about for many years. But it makes me wonder why we're going to have a water shortage due to the AI because is the AI drinking it? Is it dissolving? And what's happening with the, with the water, right? If it's just being used for cooling, as they say, then the water should be recovered, right? But it's not. I find that very interesting. I've wondered that same thing about the cooling. You'd think it would just flow through and be returned or something. Uh, no. Like, yeah. No, it, it depends. It depends on your cooling is going to be set up as a probably going to be set up as a closed loop. And then there's going to be a like a, a separate line that would feed into it and dump into that uh, closed loop when it gets to a certain temperature. So it also depends on what's in the water, what they're having to treat it with. So, no, it just doesn't like continuously recycle. Well, you would think that fresh water that's being put even in a closed loop system would at least be the AI companies would at least be post-processing it, you know, to filter it kind of what the frac companies have to do and what also the semiconductor industry does. Yeah. I mean, to a degree you can recover it. I mean, it, it all depends on what's in the water. I mean, you know, unless, unless it's a, a zero liquid discharge facility, they're still going to be, you know, losing water. Um, but I, I do want to say, does anybody not think that there aren't just a bunch of fucking crazy people running around and all these people could just be schizophrenic? Well, um, we have all entertained the idea that the, the stibby stabs might actually cause this, if you guys remember. We've been talking about this for a very long time. We've mm-hmm. seen changes in people's behavior, in some cases very radical changes in behavior, mm-hmm. such as dying. Uh yeah, there's a lot of broken people walking around right now. People aren't acting right, man. I mean, this has been really bad this last weekend here in, in New Mexico. It's been very bad. So I will yeah, say... Even... Oh, go ahead, Sal. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> We're so in sync. I was just going to say, even people that aren't jabbed are broken. So, yes, there is... You're very right, Jizzle. There is a hell of a lot of broken people walking around. I mean, I've got to admit, I have my moments. <laughs> I'm not that I would go and do anything like that. But, you know, everyone's suffering. This is all PTSD. We're, the whole world's bloody in it. Sorry, Ash. No, yeah, exactly. That we have... This mental health crisis is being done intentionally and it has been being done for a very long time against the population at large in addition to poisoning of the food poisoning of the water uh poison medication uh poison school systems the the whole package and then now it has people a lot of people are on pharmaceuticals ssris which are very very bad for you and there's a lot of evidence associated with that and but i i certainly don't think it that these mass shootings, if to tie it back to that, it is coincidental. There is a very common pattern and the goal is to create these false flags in order to 
be able to disarm the population. And that's, you know, it's a very tried and true method. Luckily here, it hasn't worked yet, but they are absolutely working on that. And I don't for one minute believe that that there isn't something common like some sort of MK Ultra mind control stuff happening with all of these mass shooters for sure. Yeah, and those SSRIs are also a common thread. Um, and it's also come out lately because um, that's where uh, serotonin uptake inhibitors, isn't it? Like Zoloft is one. Um, and yeah, it's come. I mean, it's come out lately that a lot of those things aren't working for what they were meant to work for, which is you know psychological help, um, depression, etc. They're, so they're just triggers, basically. If they're not doing what they're meant to do, what the fuck? What the hell are they doing? You know? Well, there's also a lot of evidence that there's uh, a lot of chemical discharge from those SSRIs. In other words, people are passing them through their body because their body is incapable of absorbing that amount uh, of the the chemical, and so it then ends up going into the local water supply. Uh, it doesn't yeah. get filtered out you know, in the, uh, in the recapture process. And so it ends up going back into like the, the drinking water, the water that comes out of the faucet. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the people who have been prescribed these medications. It's literally extended to everyone in the community, especially if you have a high frequency of prescriptions of those types of medications in a particular community. Yeah, along with all the other medications too, hormones, etc. So I mean, it's birth just... control, birth control has yes. been shown. It's it's it accumulates in the in the water supply, and first of all, it's kind of gross to think that we're drinking our own recycled shit water to begin with. Am I wrong? No, um, it's not, man. I've seen Bill Gates do it. <laughs> that's part of that's part of the disgrace and desecration uh, protocol, basically. The globalists are like, oh, look, we got these stupid people to eat their own shit. That's that's always a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. With yeah like, you know what I mean? Inversion. Yeah, the yeah. inversion of, uh, of what is good and natural to humans. Right. So I get my water from a from a artesian well that flows just under its own pressure from an aquifer. And I am grateful for it. If you have the opportunity, I recommend finding a local natural spring if you know, if you, you can determine that it's safe, you know, but luckily so, it sounds like you're racist against artesians and you're ready to steal their water. huh? <laughs> yeah. Fuck the artesians, man. <laughs> I, I even at one stage I looked into um, whether it would be viable to drill a well. I mean, we're just living in a suburban area, so it'd be kind of, it's pretty awkward, <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it wasn't worth it. You know, like there is no, there's no chance of doing it. Not without, you know, like a, fully Russian descent with a drill sort of thing. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, the WTF forum is your number one pro pro tobacco and pro groundwater podcast, <laughs> but I, I want to play I got well water. Yeah. Groundwater is uh, where it's at, man. It's great. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the other thing is, is to get a good filter. I have, a. Uh, yeah. I have a pro one. It's very similar to a Berkey. Berkey and I, yeah. if you, if you're listening to the show, you're probably understanding of all the crap that they put in municipal water. So like make sure to get a good water filter. Um, and, uh, and, and use that on, if you have to use city tap, 
definitely get a good water filter. I mean, these things, that stuff is nasty. They put all kinds of chemicals through those pipes. Yeah. If, if you're on city like me, um, get an RO and I also have a three stage filter that it goes through first. Like I, I am definitely getting that recycled water, even though, you know, we have a Creek, we have a water source and everything, but I'm sure it's not perfect. <laughs> and there's plenty of pesticides where I live. I've um yeah. actually, Oh, sorry, Mike, here you go. Well, I was just going to say, I've heard RO, the only problem with it is it's like totally mineral free. So you almost have to like yeah, supplement it. If that's I, the case. I replace yeah. it with sea salt and like okay. mineral cool. vitamin mixes and stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why sometimes, you know, you drink water and you drink water and you drink water and you still don't rehydrate. It's because a lot of the minerals have been stripped out of it. So yeah, there's this whole industry now, which is about restructuring water. So um, yeah, but there's, there's ways you can actually do it without buying all these expensive chemicals with droppers and, and inconvenient stuff. For sure. Um, but my aim was to, even though I wanted to get one of those reverse osmosis systems put in, I, I realized that that relies on electricity. So what I did was I've come up with this thing where I've got this upside down drinking bottle and I put like sand, rocks and charcoal and stuff in it. And so I, the water from the town goes through two of them first and then it goes into two Berkeleys and then it goes and sits inside a copper pot, which also, um, yeah, disinfects it. So... That's the best I can do, but fluoride actually can slip through a lot of those um, filters because it's like a 0. 0.0006 micron size or something, and so you've actually got to get filters that are specifically for fluoride as yeah, well. Yeah, it's tiny. It's a tiny molecule. Yeah. Um, mine doesn't that, use electricity. Mine's just water pressure. So you might, if if you want it, you might want to look into it more or something. Maybe I'll yeah, have to sure. take something from the US. Maybe it's prohibited in Australia. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, if you could give me a link or something, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll or do a it. name, even just a brand name, something. I'd, I'd be you. curious to ask for OG's opinion, um, given that he works like in wastewater. Uh, yeah, I don't know of any RO that doesn't use um, electricity because the whole theory behind RO is you take water, run it through a high-pressure pump, through a uh, membrane and you know the good good water permeates through the membrane and the reject goes to the center and that's you know sent to the drain or it gets recycled so um <clears throat> i mean i would say for most people if you had like a a little home ro that went under your sink and uh just a, a carbon filter uh or like on maybe you, I guess you could call that a, like an iron breaker or a softener on just coming to your house. I mean, you would be amazed at the shit that's just in your drinking water. So, yeah. So, OG, do you know how to get fluoride out, or is it just like what the guys are saying? It's just so small that you really, you really can't. Uh, I mean. I don't know that I'm not that familiar with it. I mean, I would assume that an RO would reject fluoride. Um, but you know, I just, I mean, I'm not, I'm more used to industrial applications of that. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what micron, um, size your typical membrane is going to reject. Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to dealing with stuff that's like eight inches in diameter versus, you know, something that's like the size of a Coke can. So, <laughs> um 
but I mean, you know, you could probably get some different membranes or, I mean, bear snare, I'm assuming you probably have like uh, three stages in your RO. Yep. Yep. Three stages. Yeah. And so, it, it purges as well. So it's got a line that goes out of drain yeah. so that it can clear the filters. Yeah. It's, it's going to do like a, like a pre-rinse and probably some sort of post-rinse so it doesn't scale up. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I don't exactly know how it works, but, um, it's, yeah, it is pretty simple and yeah, mine just runs off of water pressure. So I've got an Amazon link that I'm about to post. I think it's going to say, so I know, <clears throat> well, I know like Stella said, you can get like a special, if you have a Berkey or something similar, you can get like a attachment filter. Um, I don't bother with it because I exclusively drink the groundwater. Uh, so it's fluoride free, but I, I run that spring water through a Berkey just to be double safe. But anyways, Rob, did you have something to say? Oh yeah. Um, so what they, what they do to get rid of the fluoride is they use a, uh, aluminum resin matrix that is very similar to zeolite. And, uh, what ends up happening is the fluoride bonds and gets, uh, trapped, uh, by a reaction with the, uh, aluminum uh aluminum matrix you tell me they just use an ion exchange resin pretty much yeah that's all it is so this is interesting because aluminum is also a neurotoxin like fluoride like mercury um and uh when i was talking to rbl the other night he brought this up and he thought it was weird that they use aluminum for that zeolite is aluminum yeah it's a form of aluminum yeah huh okay yeah. Interesting. And it actually pulls out fluoride from your body and uh, along with a bunch of other uh, heavy metals, et cetera, that it reacts with. Kind of interesting. Mike, your mic. My bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm inclined to say we should um, jump into the like main topic. I want to try to get through it as relatively quickly as possible because there's just like a whole lot to it. Um, but I'm going to play two short clips back to back. One's real short. The other one, you know, give me five minutes with that. But um, it's to me sort of like two different potential explanations in a sense for some of this craziness that we're experiencing uh, The maybe pinnacle of this iceberg being the mass shootings and whatnot that we see um but sort of what what's the root cause is what i'm more interested in so i'm gonna play the shorter one first and then i'll jump into the second one and we'll kind of go from there i've got quite a few other clips most of which are very short but it's it's all to kind of i guess demonstrate a point and you know make an argument but anywho, um, this I found interesting. This is from the Naval Postgraduate School, which I don't know. I've got actually another clip from from the same professor for later. But this shit kind of applies to everything we're looking at. I'm going to call it organized chaos. You want to be able to see this. One pendulum, another pendulum on top of it. 
Okay, I can start the energy off in one pendulum and kind of boring. It's actually beating here, it's not resonant beating. It doesn't look real dramatic. That's not why we had this built. Okay? We had it built for this <laughs> you can try to guess what it's going to do, and you won't be right. It, it looks random. It's not random. It's called, what is it called? You've all heard the word. Chaos. Yes. This is chaos. <laughs> now, no, this is scientific chaos, okay? It has a specific definition, actually. It looks random, but it's actually what we call deterministic. If I release this in the same way twice, it will, um, it will do exactly the same thing. There's no, there's no, it's not, ideally, it's not random here. But the problem is this, or the interesting thing is this. Let me release it from rest here and pick up on something particular about the motion. Let's see. Okay, what I saw there was it didn't, except at the end there, it didn't really go around. It didn't do much. It just kind of went like this. It didn't really spin around fast. Now let's do it again. Approximately the same initial conditions. You see that? See that? This is called extreme sensitivity to initial conditions. You change the initial condition just a little bit, and in a, a few seconds later, the motion's completely different. And that's actually the hallmark of chaos. It's actually treated as the definition of chaos. But this is actually chaotic. It's erratic motion, but it's not due to random fluctuations. It's, it's actually chaos. deterministic. It's chaos. Thank you. Okay, so I played that. Because I think that physics is one of the few things we can trust in an objective kind of way. And I've mentioned previously that I actually got into an argument with my brother-in-law about whether or not sort of the principles of, you know, the laws of thermodynamics, whether or not they apply to living systems. And I'm like, well, yeah, physics obviously has an impact on how biology works, you know. I'm kind of getting heady and then we're going to bring it back down to earth. I, trust me. But I wrote something down earlier and I basically said, all you know, I tried to say it in as few words as possible, but I, I, I'm not the originator of this idea. I know it's been said before, but anything that is true is always true everywhere. All the time is my assertion. Okay. And this principle of, chaos not being random and that with this illustration of the double pendulum that if you drop it from the same place it will behave identically if you change where it's dropped from it'll behave differently but you can always it's it's predictable yet seemingly chaotic but there's a difference between chaos and randomness so my assertion here is that everything we're dealing with is sort of like the people, the elite, you know, they, right, them, are fucking with us by dropping the pendulum from predictable places, i.e. mass shootings and the like. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I hope I'm not skipping ahead too far by bringing this up, but um, it 
something that I posted in the chat just earlier about that sphere with uh, where they're doing U2 concerts and stuff. I cannot imagine what the acoustics in there must be like. It's um, and apparently they used an algorithm to do all their acoustics and everything. And I don't know. I've heard a lot of guitar amp sims and stuff. And as good as they are, it's never quite the same. And there there could be some weird resonances within that sphere, which could do some strange things to people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be a guinea pig at the very beginning. I'd probably wait a little while for that. But oh, it's fascinating stuff. But at the same time, it's going to depend where you're sitting, which is, I guess, why they have to have it so large because they want to make sure that everybody, no matter where they're sitting, is experiencing the same spacious acoustic space. Yeah, well, that's what's so um, fascinating. So you don't have to sort of sit in the middle or near the mixing desk like you would yeah. at a gig, you know. <laughs> it's interesting um, that you guys bring that up because um, I uh, went to an event with Eddie Aragon here, who's a conservative talk radio host um, at the uh, 377 Brewery. And uh, it was for a raffle. Well, for one, it was um, for the uh, eclipse that we had last weekend, I think it is. And then it was also for the uh, for a raffle for tickets to go see U2 at the Sphere. And he's kind of conspiratorial. And uh, we couldn't rest it out of him exactly why he didn't want to go. Um, but I think he kind of had a little bit of the Las Vegas shooting slash uh, psychoacoustic Jeebus going on, and he didn't want to risk it. And being who he is, and as much as they've messed with him, I honestly can't uh, fault him on that because the police here and our governor and everybody have harassed the shit out of that guy. So, hmm. Plus, I also would be really suspicious of anything you do. You know, Bono is so connected to the predator class. It's just if anybody would be involved in running, a, you know, acoustic resonance Again, with experiments all. on you, it would be that <laughs> motherfucker. Agreed. Anybody remember the rapper yeah. who had all the people who died in his in his uh, place Travis. and everyone was complaining that they were hearing Travis voices Scott. and Travis Scott. Yeah. Travis yeah. Scott. Remember that? Yes. So, World. Yeah. The Astro World. Yeah. It's a little strange. I, I, you know what I mean? It, it's good. It's good to be suspicious of these things. They're not giving away that something was, for nothing. You're the product, right? Is that it? Was that the one where a bunch of people got crushed because people like effectively stampeded? That's they freaked what they out. said. They yeah. said that, but the information was so sketchy, it really mm -hmm. didn't make sense. And it was also at, pretty close after the rollout of the shots, too. And so I don't know that a lot of people actually bought the crushed to death stampede hmm. story it was weird that's not even the story i heard <laughs> acoustic, i heard acoustic experiment they were given the shots to the kids as they went in because it was like a required thing for that event and so a wow. bunch of kids yep. took the shot then went into the event and of course they're jumping around and probably doing ecstasy and stuff and yeah yeah i think is gonna happen okay so oh man there's just we're we're so hitting the nail on the head here, y'all. It's crazy. Like I'm not playing these clips necessarily in the order that I thought I would, but I'm gonna take us back to, I think this was 2012. Uh, I'm not totally sure about that, but I don't know. Do you remember when I covered it, Ash? Do you remember what year I said it was? 2013. Are you, are you talking about this, the Navy Yard shooter? 
Yeah. Because we I had, uh, yeah, I think it was 2013 because I believe it was the 10 year anniversary just a few weeks ago. Oh. Mm. Yes, it was. It was very telling too how this went down and very similar where we got really weird, contradictory information about the guy and a lot mm. of disinformation that didn't make any sense. All right. I'm going to go ahead and just play this. It's nice and short, but for context, for anybody that has not, you know, it's funny. We've heard about so many of these mass shootings that they start to, we forget about them, right? I, I, I was not terribly aware of this, but this one is particularly telling. So here we go. Again, with a haunting new video, a killer roaming the halls of the Washington Navy Yard looking for targets. The FBI released the new surveillance tape showing frame by frame how the gunman moved in secret and then around him workers scramble for cover. The video is not easy to watch, but ABC senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas shows us what it reveals about the mind of a mass shooter. This is Aaron Alexis, armed with a sawed-off shotgun, hunting innocent victims. It started as a routine Monday at the Navy Yard. Alexis shows his pass and is waved in by a security guard just before 8 a.m. Surveillance cameras capture him driving into a parking garage and moments later walking in through the front door of Building 197. He's working there as a civilian contractor. There's no metal detector, no back check. We next see Alexis armed with the shotgun, peeking around corners, checking doors, looking for someone, anyone to ambush. He moves quickly down the stairs with purpose, eager. Look, he sees some people and ducks behind a wall. And today, the first official explanation of why. Was a mentally unstable individual. This shotgun is the primary murder weapon. On it, he etched a number of carvings, including End to the Torment, Better Off This Way, and My ELF Weapon. Alexis had Okay, I'm pausing for a moment because the one etching they didn't expressly um, say out loud is the first he one. He etched a number of says not what y'all say. Okay, yep. very very interesting. Okay, I'm gonna play the rest. It's only like another minute, but here we go. Carvings, including "End to the Torment," "Better Off This Way," and my ELF weapon. Alexis had been hearing voices and believed he was being bombarded by microwaves, something naval authorities knew about. There are multiple indicators that Alexis held a delusional belief that he was being controlled or influenced by extremely low frequency, or ELF, electromagnetic waves. And in his computer files, the FBI found this. A document retrieved from the electronic media stated, quote, Ultra low frequency attack is what I've been subject to for the last three months. And to be perfectly honest, that is what has driven me to this. And so on what should have been a routine day, Alexis killed 12 people, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. Okay. Any thoughts up to now? Yeah, did he get to call on his UAV? Say what now? He had a 12 kill streak. He should have gotten like a, a UAV and a Predator. Is this a Call of Duty thing? Yes. I'm sorry. I, I don't play games. I'm not a gamer. I'm sorry. But okay, so in case you, you know, yes. doubt, in case you doubt that this is possible, like 
the weird thing is, right? The Navy seems to be kind of a, a thread here. I'm going to go back to the professor, the Naval Postgraduate School, where he illustrates that it is possible to project voices into someone's head. Before I play it, I, I feel like Mike, I heard somebody want Mike, to talk, but go ahead. Mike, give me a second. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's uh, where my mentor was from when I was at the Language Institute, right? He was I did the, not know that. No. Yeah. They were postgraduate because I was at Monterey. They were postgraduate right up the street. Hmm. And uh, I used to get invited to uh, different uh, seminars, et cetera. Now, here's what's funny about that is um, Naval Postgrad, Defense Language Institute, and uh, Fort Ord at the time were linked inexorably. And uh, we were having, uh, there, was a, there was a scandal on Fort Ord where they were using U.S. soldiers to experiment with them using various types of psychological uh, techniques and uh, psychological medications. And they were doing it illegally. It wasn't approved by the FDA. That was one reason why they shut down Fort Ord. And that's why you don't hear anything about any of the real reasons why they shut down Fort Ord. So I find it interesting that it would be coming from Naval Postgrad. So. Can I just point out a couple of things here? Yeah. Um, yeah so they said that he entered Building 17, which adds up, uh, sorry, Building 197, which adds up to 17, which is a very prominent number. It's uh, the 17 steps of the WEF, for instance. But it comes up a lot. Um, and the other thing is um, not what y'all say that you pointed out, Mike. Um, mm -hmm. I was just putting that through an anagram, and it, it has an endless list of possibilities that come out of that. But, yeah, there's some really interesting ones. Like um, when was this, by the way? I wanted to ask the sort of time, date. 2013 was that one. Okay, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. See, I don't know enough about what was happening in some of these, but you know, like one of those, a few of the anagram things is like Atlanta, Ayatollah, Alan Watts, you know, I mean, who knows what sort of codes they're using with some of these things. I don't know. It's just a possibility. Uh, I want to throw something out there real quick too. Mm -hmm. Uh, right about that time, uh, they stopped doing in, uh, double inspection. So it used to be when you're on a naval facility or a military facility, uh, like when I first started at uh, in Tucson at uh, Davis Montham at uh, Raytheon, it used to be that you came in, you got your car inspected, et cetera. And then as you went from building to building, there would be another ID check and a bag check before you went into that building. So as you'd go between the buildings, you would have another check. Well, um, at in Raytheon, from what I heard, uh, a particular guy who was transsexual, uh, he was the one who basically put a stop to that because I think they, uh, from what I had heard, and this is just a rumor at Raytheon, that they had uh, inspected his bag and found um, sex paraphernalia. And we'll just leave it at that. So rather than go through a lawsuit, uh, they got rid of the security. It sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Kind of mm. defund the security, defund the police type of thing. And that's what led to all these shootings that we've been seeing and like uh, the one in Fort Hood and then the shooting and the other ones on these bases, they've gutted the security system. So, If, um, if, if I may, 
just mm -hmm. before we get to this next thing, um, I've referred to this before, uh, this list that I have here is multiple pages, and I'm sure it could pr probably be updated, but it, it's the list that I've talked about of the patents with the direct energy weapons and targeted individual um, patents. So I was looking through them at uh, length, like going into a lot of them last night, just having a look. And um, there are so many, so many that talk about uh, manipulating, like right back to the 60s, 50s, uh, that talk about ways of manipulating, particularly the central nervous system, because and which is very, very interesting. And I'll get to that in a sec. But uh, so many patents. And let me also point out that a patent doesn't mean that something has been produced or is in action. It is also something that has just been recorded as, you know, an idea or technology or what have you that so that someone has just, you know, they can, no one else can do that exact same thing. So it doesn't mean it's actually happened. But at the same time, uh, so many of these patents talk about um, acoustic um, manipulation of brainwaves, um, of emotions, etc. Even down to the old. And if I, <clears throat> if, excuse me, if I say the patent number US six five zero six one four eight B two, if there's any conspiracy theorists hardened <laughs> conspiracy theorists out there, they'll be going, mm hmm. That is. Um, that is when I started looking into, and then I realised it's a really big thing. Actually, it's like there's all these videos about it, which is the manipulation via frequencies emanating from computer and TV screens. So most of it was the CRTs back in the old days, but um, also involving LCDs, apparently. But that is that is a patent that you can go and look at right now. Um, there's a whole bunch of them going through the years, and then you'll see how some of these patents have been. Um, uh, what's the word, like filed and then published. And then a couple of years later, you'll get another patent really similar. So obviously they've made some improvements, what have you, so they have to repatent it because it's different enough sort of thing. So you can see the sort of evolution when you start looking at the patents over time. And, um, yeah, there's anyway, look, there's also something else which I can go into, but you might want to look into your video because that well, sounds like it's like on the same lines. It's the it's the exact same line. Yeah. And it's short. So here we go. Okay. Everybody knows what this is. A laser, right? Nice beam of light. Many applications. Have you ever what about sound? Can we create a laser like or a beam of sound? Well, it's very hard to do. And the reason it's hard to do is that sound, typical sound wavelengths are like this big. And long wavelengths bend. They bend around objects. If you have two people on either side of a barrier here, an opaque barrier, you can't, they can't see each other, but they can hear each other, right? How can that happen? Well, the sound diffracts. And it diffracts because the wavelength's long. When the wavelength's small, if the wavelength was very small, the sound would just go out here and this person wouldn't hear. So this makes it really hard to create a beam. But people have been extremely clever about this. And there is a way. It's complicated. We teach it in an advanced course here. And it takes two lectures. Is that right, Andres? Well, he left. <laughs> He's supposed to do that? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to um, try to give you just the basic, make this really simple. This is called an audio spotlight, and it's only $2,000. And you know, you know who paid for it? Your parents, right? Okay, so what it does is, it has some transducers here, some, 
um, discs that generate sound, and it puts out 65,000 hertz, 65 kilohertz. What, are, what? How high can we hear? Around 20,000. Well, you might be able to. Not, you get older. <laughs> <laughs> not down around. Well, I don't think even them can. Hear. I don't think. Yeah, they, I think. Yeah. By now they are probably 18 or 17,000. Yeah. Well, you should have a hearing test. It's important. So anyway, 65 kilohertz, way beyond ours. Dogs can't hear it. It turns out cats can't hear it. Bats, no problem. They're, they're, they're typically, they go up to 100,000 hertz. All right? So we can't hear this. It's, it's going, I haven't turned it on yet. When I do, it's going to blast out a 65 kilohertz beam. Because the wavelength is so small, it doesn't spread. Because 65 kilohertz has a wavelength like that. So it's going to be, in that sense, similar to a laser. It just comes right out as a beam. Now, how do we make that audible? Well, they put a modulation on top of the 65 kilohertz. There's a modulation. And now, here's the next thing I have to tell you. That 65 kilohertz is very high amplitude. It won't hurt you, we don't think. Okay? <laughs> you certainly can't hear it, and we don't think it'll hurt you. And um, it's very high amplitude. And what happens when you have two sound waves like this, Sound plus sound can create sound, but only at high amplitudes. At low amplitudes, sound waves just travel right through each other. You may be sort of familiar with this, but at high amplitudes, you can create sound. So what happens in this apparatus is the audio sound, the sound that you're going to hear, is actually created in the beam, not here. And because it's created in the beam it's, and it's, it stays in the beam, we have a beam of sound. So let me demonstrate this for you. Let me turn it on. And I'm going to find the piece of music that we like. Yeah. You may not like it. <laughs> the Eagles. Yes. You like the Eagles? Yes. Okay, good. Oh, we have a we have a friendly audience this year. Yeah. I think they're just saying that to make us feel better. Right. All right. What? <laughs> it's worth the two thousand dollars. It's not our money. Now, the sound that you're hearing is being created in this beam. It almost sounds like it's coming from your head. So let me hit. Let me try to scan the whole audience here so everybody gets to hear this. Absolutely remarkable. Pete, are you getting it? <laughs> Let's try to wait, one more thing. Let's try to bounce it off the wall. Raise your hand if you can very clearly hear it. I'm gonna to try to bounce it off the wall. Look at where the hands are raised. It's put your hands down. No, <laughs> it's bouncing off the wall. This is a real a beam of sound. I mean what do you need to see? What do you need to see? Well, I did also want to chime in that as far as, um, you know, like tuning forks and things like that, that give off vibrations and sounds. And there seems to be a pretty clear association with that affecting, you know, either healing or like calming people, calming animals, stuff like that. There's definitely something to all of this stuff for sure. Yes, which takes us to people like Royal Rife, who they, you know, put shit on. But he uh, claimed to have been able to burst, you know, cancer cells, etc., with certain frequencies. He also um, had sympathetic frequencies going on with that. It was a very specific science. 
Um, there is a chart available actually with all the frequencies from Royal Rife, but it's, I don't think it's that easy to find. But I'm, I'm just looking right now at these, um, this list of patents and it's just full. It's full of patents that can do all this stuff. And it's full of like exactly what they just did then. Oh, gosh, now I've just lost it. Here we go. U.S. patent. This is a mm, filing date, 24th of January 2014, published October 2014. U.S. 201403094841. Um, induced desired brain state in person by adding waves into a music file. Lots of them. That's just one. Yeah, if this stuff didn't have practical applications, either from a military or a civilian standpoint, the money would not have been spent on R&D. They would not have continued working on this technology. It would have been abandoned a long time ago. Yeah, this well, is a continuation the... of MKUltra, really, isn't it? It's just... Yeah, just look on the face of it. Who Some needs of the sub-projects, MK... yeah. Yeah, who needs MKUltra, though, if Say, for example, somebody's every time they go to work outside, right? You have a robot that has that sound cannon on it, okay? And it's maybe a nearby tree, you can't really see it. And every time that person goes out there, it recognizes the robot has recognition and starts beaming information to them. They start hearing sirens or they're hearing something going on or whatever. And then somebody else comes out and they go to tell them. And you turn and the robot turns it off. I mean, they're going to look crazy whether or not they're actually crazy. They're going to be driven crazy because what's going to happen is they're going, what is one of the main things that you want to do to a person who's an enemy in military intelligence? Well, one of the first things you want to do is you want to isolate them, right? Mm -hmm. What easier method to isolate them, but have them basically experiencing a completely different, different, life of different sound different experiences than everyone around them eventually the people around them are going to turn on and so it's very easy to trigger people with this you know i i don't know if it's totally true but i've heard that the number one reason for suicide in the state of kansas is the wind driving people crazy the incessant wind so again, I think this is a common thread here. Like the ability to project sound very well could be part of what's going on with these people who do something so inexplicable as committing a mass murder, right? And I guess I'm sure people have thoughts. I'll I'll just I'll, I'll shut up for now. I do want to play video specifically about somebody who has voices in their head almost by choice which i found to be an interesting idea but before we go there anybody yeah so if Mike, I may... uh, oh sorry Andrew, you go okay. all right so uh you say kansas and uh and when i lived in denver which is is pretty close to kansas um, I mean, it's definitely on the eastern side of Colorado, um, but I would hear whispers uh, commanding me to kill myself at the same time just about every single day. Denver has an extremely si high suicide rate, and I think that this is something that was being broadcast. It also could have been a ghost, 
Um, but I'm, I'm not really into, you know, the whole ghost thing, but yeah, I, I feel like it was happening mm. around, around noon every single day, uh, in that area. So you sure um, you weren't just picking I, up like stray transmissions from the airport? Uh, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, and I wasn't suicidal. I, I was kind of in a funk, but I wasn't suicidal at all. And just hearing that, that suggestion every day, it was weird. It was like, uh, it's like, oh, you're trying to get somebody else. Like that they're trying, it felt like they were trying to go for somebody else. I don't know. That's, that's just what I thought. Well, of. and you know, what's funny is there are there with these cannons. Um, I've, I've been involved in some of the, some of the work on this type of a system. And uh, what's interesting is, did you notice it was reflecting? So it could actually hit people that it's not necessarily intended for, uh, especially if it's in a very crowded area. So if they were doing that intentionally in that area, uh, it, again, it could have been meant for somebody else and you're getting a long distance reflection or something like that. So um, they, they, they actually talked about that in a lot of the uh, literature. So. It's like playing pool. Kind of. Yeah. Cause it's so directional yeah, very much. Dude, I mean, this is my point. I think it's all physics. Like when you really boil it down, everything is just energy and frequency and vibration. velocity and you know, yeah. Vibration. I'm thank you, Mr. I mean, Tesla. It, it, it's crazy. It sounds all hippy dippy, but it's true. Um, so let me play this real quick. You know, it's going to be a struggle to get through all the clips I have, so I want to kind of keep it moving. But this is very, this is very interesting to me. In that, um, if you can project a voice in somebody's head, you can create a personality inside of another person's brain. Okay. In pop culture, hearing voices is generally not perceived as a good thing. I am Jack's smirking revenge. But there are people who find the voices in their heads to be therapeutic. They intentionally create these voices. They're called tulpamancers. A tulpamancer creates a tulpa, similar to an imaginary friend, but with a twist. These imaginary friends possess their own thoughts and emotions. They can act independently of their creator. Meet Jacob. He's a tulpamancer. We met on Reddit, and I reached out to learn what it's really like to hear voices. About four and a half years ago, decided to, you could say, no longer be alone. Jacob is a 20-year-old psychology student. He grew up in a military family, and four and a half years ago, he created a tulpa, Ari. We interviewed Jacob, the tulpamancer, and his tulpa, Ari. To keep track of who's talking, look in the top right corner. If you see a purple pony, that's Ari. Jacob and Ari are two people that live in the body that you're looking at right now. I am Ari, and I am a tulpa. I see myself as a bat pony, as a pony with bat wings and glowing golden eyes, and a great coat and a midnight blue mane. So Jacob sees Ari as a pony. This is Dr. Samuel Vizier. He's the first person to ever conduct research on the tulpa community. He has a theory about why Jacob sees Ari as a pony. Because there are more things that one can do with imagination, they also provide, I don't want to call it an escape, but they provide, provide an opportunity to engage in a richer fantasy world. This is why many tulpas have non-human forms, such as elves or ponies or 
are sort of you know, made up beings. Why would someone choose to create a tulpa and hear voices? I would move every other year, um, being raised in, in the military. And so I desperately needed someone who could stick with me. I think the purpose of the tulpa fits the completely normal human urge to connect with other people and to not be lonely and to be social. We are through and through, evolutionarily, we are social beings. Ari is able to possess the body and front, meaning she can control the body and speak for herself. Jacob and Ari have come up with two different methods for switching. There's a possession scene in the movie where someone who comes into the body grasps the hand of someone else and flips it. And when they flip it, the identity, the entity that wants to possess the body flows into the body. And since seeing that, that's been a way that Ari and I have been able to quickly possess. So all I'm going to do is relax my body and let go of tension and just allow the presence that is already to flow in to my feet and then my legs and then my midsection and then my arms and then my neck. And when she begins to enter my head, I hear my mind voice begin to travel into the back and I hear hers begin to go into the front as she affirms that. That I'm in front. Hello. Everything that people say Jacob do, I can do. Some areas better than him, some areas not as well. So Ari lives in Jacob. Okay, I'm sorry. This is like it's terrible. It's so hard. Thank you. To watch. <laughs> oh my god, that, that was pretty. I mean, seriously, yeah. do, do we not understand what dissociative identity disorder is yet? People, come on. It's like I, know, a, like, I, know. I don't know. He's I don't a psychology know student. Who... Yeah, isn't that the funny? There were so and in the military. Better. He yeah. was oh. being enabled by a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's apparently just as crazy as his student. Did you notice he literally did you notice he literally used the word uh like allowing Ari to possess, quote unquote? Correct. Possess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was like how to get possessed for dummies. I mean that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. And uh, did you also know did you also <laughs> here's Satan? Um, did you also notice uh, how that last little bit was Ari coming in and it says, Oh good, now I'm in front. That was uh-huh. kind of weird. Kind of weird. It was very weird. Hey, everybody, <laughs> I, um, I'm getting ready to jump out of here, but I just wanted to uh, tune in, hang out with you for a little bit, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your show. Thanks for letting me on, Mike. Yeah, and of course. I will talk to you later, okay? We'll miss All you. Right. See Thanks. ya. Yeah. Have a good night. Ashley. Love you guys. Love you guys. Ashley. <laughs> Before you go, tell us how we can find the Union of the Unknown. <laughs> well, Ando, I'm glad you asked. You can find us at unionoftheunknowns.com. That's our Linktree page with all the ways to get in touch with us, including the link into our Discord, and we would be happy to have you. And you can find me running the Unknowns Twitter page over on Twitter at Union Unknowns. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Good night. Oh, yeah. See Good you night. later. Bye. So, uh, yeah, you know, there's more and it's, I'm sorry. It's so rich. It's so rich. Um, but before I play it, anybody super cringe.
Oh, it's cringe. Warning. I know. Super cringe. But there's a point. There's a point, you know, like, again, I think, you know, so a theme that keeps coming up with these would-be mass shooters and whatnot is, like, people who knew them or were neighbors or whatever, they're like, it's so out of character. Like, I never could have imagined. Like, they were just, like, a normal person, right? Which is part of this psyop to be like, oh, it could be anybody. Well, yeah, right? that was part of the yeah. serial killer psyop in the <laughs> in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, right? It's it's all in the service of inspiring fear in the population, like literally in your neighbor, or maybe even it, your spouse. It, it plays in the pre-crime, also the fact that hey, we've got to do these things because you're all crazy. You see, yeah. see what this guy did? Yeah, you, he, you're nowhere near as good as he is. So we need to lock everybody down forever. Yep, problem, reaction, solution. And if I could just uh, read a couple more of these um, uh, patents. So there's another one from 1996. Makes voices emanate from individuals who do not intend or realise it. It's called the ventriloquist effect. Uh, another one from 1999. Uh, makes voices emanate from individuals who do not intend or realise it. Ventriloquist effect also functions for voice recognition. So it's coming along. They're going to be using it for lots of different things. You know, we, we apparently have somebody that wants to give us money, but can't. <laughs> We've got a comment from YouTube saying, uh, why can't I send a super chat? Maybe maybe it's because we're, as Ando says, YouTube pariahs, or maybe it's because I haven't set that up. I don't know. Also, uh, is there, uh, Are there 500 followers on the channel yet? No. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. Also, please be aware that if you send super chats through YouTube, they take like a quite a huge chunk out of it. I think it's 25, 30%, something like that. You're saying that's not true, Drizzle? No, I said everybody takes a chunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet I think it doesn't matter who you go through. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, anywho, I want to just play the Uh, last little bit of this, but what do you got, Ando? Before, uh, uh, let's, let's tell Western civilization that. Uh, if, if you got something to chat, just chat it at us and, uh, and we'll get to it whenever we can. And if you just want to support the show, there's a place called itty bitty dot easy peasy dot tips. And that's Mike's, uh, that's Mike's money tree, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and Mike would be more than happy to take it. I appreciate that. Ando. (laughs) Also, just before we move on, can we just sort of acknowledge the, um, comments there on YouTube as well? Mm-hmm. That uh, Western civilization has made musicians yeah, you, hear voices in their head all the time, usually two oscillators. <laughs> I can't agree yeah, more. Yeah, I don't know what this um, this first one was about. Justified ancients of Mumu. I don't know what that means. Anybody? Oh, that uh, that ties in with uh, the the Mu, um, the ancients of Mu that 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 have been propagated over the years as Lemuria. You know, yeah. Lemuria, et cetera, et cetera, and how they um, were, ex- well, not exiled, but they left and moved on into the greater civilizations. And uh, that's basically how we ended up where we're at now is because they basically seeded these various civilizations. Also, too, it is the KLF, so that's cool, too. With Tammy Winnett. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we'll we'll hop back into the mind of this Jacob character who I'm going to just 
uh, I guess, kind of front load this by saying when um, Ari, the pony, was talking, she referred to Jacob as a him at least once. And later on, apparently that changes. So um, just just food for thought. Jacob's mind. Typically, characters in pop culture with voices in their heads are associated with mental health issues. Do tulpamancers fall into that category? Even in the most conservative, medically-minded psychiatry, hearing voices is not in and of itself considered a problem. So hearing voices is only a problem if the person who hears them reports being distressed, and if other people around them also report being distressed. Once upon a time, my parents decided that uh, my being LGBT was a mental illness that was symbolic of something going on in my head that shouldn't. Uh, they chose it to is. blame tulpas for <laughs> changing me in some way or shape or form. And they sent me to a clinical psychologist to screw me up check more. whether or not I had schizophrenia. And the therapist told him straight up, this isn't schizophrenia. You can't give yourself schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is something genetic. It's not something you can give yourself with meditation. What's life like for a tulpa and its host? Separate? Um, I wouldn't say that. Most of what we do, we do together. We don't have separate lives as much as... We need to bring uh, back bullying. Strengths and niches in the same life. <laughs> That's how we've found we can be happy. Nothing you do is truly private, but that's not a bad thing. It means you're being held accountable by someone I, who cares for you and looks out for you. So living with a tulpa is like sharing a body with your best friend. It's like sharing a body with your best friend, guys. Come on. You know, I just got to say, all y'all are being bigots, okay? No, no, actually we're not <laughs> because I, I don't know if anybody caught the obvious lie. Uh, that was in that little diatribe that he was giving. There is absolutely zero evidence towards schizophrenia being a genetic disorder. Mm. Right. I I think this guy's just horsing around. It, it seems like <laughs> wow, he's screwing he's around, doesn't it? Playing the victim. No, he's ponying he's around. It's different. Stop yeah. being a pony bigot. We Mine need to put him out to pasture. <laughs> It's it's my little pony in his head, man. I mean, like turn him into gelatine. He had a really hard childhood. His daddy was in the military. Like, wow. Did you guys oh, see my heart was... is bleeding right now? <laughs> there were some weird stars and sparkles on the pony's asshole. I missed that. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> no spotlight on the asshole. Not not the hand drawn pony, but the rendered one. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna put us out of our misery. One more minute. Do they ever fight? We'll argue and make each other upset, but um we always make up and we never have any lasting breakdowns between us. Unfortunately, the internet isn't always the nicest place for tulpamancers. Tulpamancers suffer quite a bit of bullying. I, I mean I have read some very derogatory comments towards tulpamancers because they're, they're probably an easy target. They're, they're very sincere. They're enthusiastic about their practice. And they do something that is really radically different. So it takes people the wrong way. And as such, they become the target of bullying, which I find very unfortunate. But despite the bullying, Jacob has found comfort in Ari. 
I like to think that I've made Jacob a better person. I think that with me around, she not only takes better care of herself, but better care of others. Can I uh, can I just interject there for a sec? Yeah, did because... you catch it though? She she takes better care of herself, referring to Jacob. At the at the end, mm. apparently we're a her now. Just saying. Sorry, go ahead, Stella. Just that last few moments, it I just went, holy crap, that sounds like Michael Jackson. Didn't it? So what like, was, was wrong with was Michael he Jackson? Being was he being completely controlled in his last? I mean, we sort of know that's probably true, but that was just to me. It was just like this instant. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Full of drugs. I mean, they they put him on all kinds of stuff. So yeah, um, that's why you don't talk about those certain people, right? Still I think that drugs. poor kid had his innocence stolen way too young. You might have a point there, Bear. What are the odds this person's still alive? When was this filmed? Mm. I, I'm going to say they're either dead because they killed themselves or they're in jail or some sort of mental asylum. Or could have taken the shots. Can I read a little interesting thing about like relating to frequency and also relating to the number 33, funnily enough? Yeah, I'll sure. say real quick, that video, that video was posted five years ago, if that... Yeah, okay. Now that's relevant. Um, yeah. Yep. Go Worth ahead. Worth mentioning. Okay, so I was just look, sort of looking up a few 33s, and one of them is the feathers on the eagle of the great seal of the U.S. has 33 feathers on the left and 32 on the right. Schumann residence, 7.83 hertz, is 33-32 ratio, and the human body resonates exactly 33 octaves above its earth fundamental vibration. It's all this stuff is just, as you say, a lot of it's science and physics, etc. It's very interesting. The number well, of man. I was going to say 33 repeating as, as far as one third. It's a interesting... Oh, it goes on and on. There's a huge list of them. <laughs> yep, right. But I know you want to move on. So, Well, it's, it's relevant and it is our 33rd forum. Maybe we should have said that right at the beginning. So that's kind of wild. Uh, holy hell. That's, you know, thank you, Ando, for keeping count because I stopped counting. <laughs> yeah, I, I count things. <laughs> so I'm it's wondering. Use like, the count. It's part of the tism. It's part of the tism. Kind of like they, them, Ando, are you one of them? They count things a lot. <laughs> blah, blah. So I'm wondering um, what or who do we think. Um, the tulpamancers are right. Um, it could be this sonic targeting stuff. It could also be like some weird astral projection, spiritual type stuff also. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Well, that, that was kind of where my head went when I watched that video the first time. I'm like, he thinks he made this, creature up this Ari this pony that lives in his head for all I know that's a fucking spirit of some kind that legit is possessing the guy right I don't know or maybe it's some government fucking sound cannon pointed at you know pointed at his dome like I don't fucking know well yeah, <laughs> yeah. and what's weird is either way it's kind of a spirit possessing him yeah it, it kind yeah. of makes no difference really yeah yeah like how do you prove it's not a demon mm. I, I'm sure a demon's behind it somewhere 
I think they used to tie people to chairs and put them in the river, right? Or see if they didn't burn when they put them in fire. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, yeah, if they weigh the same as a as a duck, they're made of wood, kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's Monty Python for the uninitiated. But yeah, I mean, I honestly, just... yeah, it doesn't make a difference if they're crazy, if they're possessed, or if they're being manipulated. I mean it it ends up with the same result. We have crazy motherfuckers, you know, and kind of the same root cause too. Mm. Um, so our friend, uh, Western civilizations got some more chats to us. Um, and he said, uh, how can you talk about Sulpa without mentioning Julian James by Camerol mind? Uh, and then said, what else floats a duck? So there you go. Um, that's right. <laughs> So what yeah, do you know very there? Small rocks. This guy's yeah, very very small rocks. Yeah, um, Western civilization is talking about shit. I don't know the first thing about, but it sounds like you do. And uh, what is Julian Jane's bicameral mind uh, mentality? I I don't know. Somebody don't else know. Knows. I, I, bet, well, I bet the drizzle knows. Maybe anybody negative knows? Ghost Rider. Well, we might have not, to do some not digging. Not in my warehouse. Or then this is maybe Western territory. civilization can enlighten us. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. So it, it, this all brings me to this. This these two most recent issues, right? The Alaskan Airlines pilot going mad and trying to crash the plane midair, and this uh, main shooting. Both of which there are little tidbits to to kind of hint that there were voices in these guys' heads. Okay. So maybe I'll just play this first clip. Um yeah, here we go. Year old appeared in state court late this afternoon. Kyle Laboshi was in that courtroom. Kyle. In addition to those state charges for attempted murder, the off-duty pilot has also been charged in federal court. The Department of Justice filed a criminal complaint this morning charging Joseph Emerson with one count of interfering with flight crew members in attendance after he allegedly tried to shut down the plane's engines and later pull the handle on an emergency exit mid-flight. The off-duty Alaska airline pilot accused of trying to turn off a plane's engine mid-flight appeared before a judge in Multnomah County Circuit Court. 44-year-old Joseph Emerson is facing more than 80 counts of attempted murder. He pleaded not guilty during the brief hearing on state charges. Federal prosecutors also charged him Tuesday with one count of interfering with a flight crew. Federal court documents provide new details about Sunday's incident on board Alaska Airlines Flight 2059, operated by Horizon Airlines. Emerson was riding in the cockpit jump seat on the flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco when he threw his headset telling the pilots, I'm not okay. Prosecutors say the off-duty pilot then reached for the red fire handles. An FBI agent wrote, Emerson was unable to pull the red handles down all the way and fully activate the engine shutoff due to the pilots wrestling with Emerson. After struggling with him for nearly 30 seconds, Emerson settled down and left the cockpit. Passengers saw Emerson walk to the back of the plane. I made eye contact with him. It was like one of those like soul chilling, like dead in the eyes, like just 
calm and just kind of like he was taking in everyone around him. According to the FBI, Emerson told a flight attendant, you need to cuff me right now or it's going to be bad. He was seated in a flight attendant's seat and placed in handcuffs. But during the plane's descent, the FBI said he turned towards an emergency exit door and tried to grab the handle. A flight attendant stopped him. The plane landed safely at PDX. While in custody, Emerson told police he was having a nervous breakdown, hadn't slept, was depressed after losing a close friend. And he talked about using psychedelic mushrooms 48 hours before the incident in the cockpit. Jail officials say Emerson is on suicide watch after indicating he wanted to harm himself. He'll be held with no bail until his next hearing. Emerson's family was in the courtroom today, but quickly whisked away after the hearing and not available for comment. Of course not. On the Alaska. You know, what's interesting is I don't recall hearing many people who have suffered psychotic breakdowns know that it's happening when it is happening. Well, he took some of those Janet Yellen mushrooms like she ate when she was hanging out in China, huh? Delicious mushrooms. Did she go, what? Mushrooms have come up a few times in the news lately. There There was a weird thing, I think it was on No Agenda, where they talked about someone took mushrooms and they grew in his bloodstream or some bs like that and i'm wondering if there's some kind of strange agenda against mushrooms that that was rob on my show oh sorry for the week oh that ando and i went over that yeah yeah (laughs) that's true bear there was something just recently too in australia two days later oh sorry go ahead there's something recently in Australia, in Victoria, where um, there was a murder involving mushrooms. And I, I've mentioned it before, but it, it, st- it hung around in the news an unusually long time. They kept prodding it at us, like for two, three weeks even. It's still going on, actually. I saw something just recently. I actually didn't really follow it that much, but I just I followed how much it was being pushed. And um, it was quite odd. So, yes, I would agree. There is definitely a mushroom agenda at the moment. Just keeping it all in our minds, like keeping it fresh, as in um, normalizing it as well, I guess, multifaceted. Hey, Stella, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're paying attention to uh, the uh, Black Lab channel, but uh, I found an article only three days ago that talked about how, that, how there was uh, fungus that was able basically mushrooms that were able to be maintained and grow in the bloodstream and that was only a few days ago it rings a vague bell yeah i think i might have seen that that yeah no that doesn't surprise me at all i mean there's so many there's a lot of fungus in us (laughs) i don't think people realize how much fungus grows in us just naturally i mean our nasal passages are disgusting i never i never watched it but wasn't that the premise of uh the last of us yeah i was gonna say it sounds like the damn video game yeah. So do you think, Rob, that that sort of might be related to something that happened post-2020? Or just another thing? Well, the one, the one that happened, the one that happened, uh, I think it was post, no, it was 2017 was the one I was talking about. It was the first one that I had shown about how it was growing, it was growing in the blood, that he ejected himself and it started growing in the bloodstream. But mm-hmm. as far as sustained growth in the bloodstream, they hadn't seen that ever and that article just came out about five days ago and it was in 
I want to say it was in the physics, uh, it was in one of the physics uh, websites where it can basically just take up residence, no problem. And uh, so do you they're remember- also seeing some strange form of leprosy now too, which I find interesting that they think mm. may be fungal related. So, mm-hmm. yep. Do you remember? Did you did they um, pinpoint what the fungus was feeding on? Did it happen to be white blood cells by any chance? No, I didn't read it that far, but uh, that would be interesting to revisit that exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because the only reason that I say that is because I've spoken to a couple of people who have pinpointed the lack of white blood cells. Like if you can get white blood cells up, um, if you're having a vax reaction or been around people who've shed on you, that's the way to do it, which involves, you know, lots of oxygen, walking, like a, walk, a lot of walking and stuff like that, as well as eating certain things. But that seems to pinpoint the recovery quite well from what I'm seeing so far, as well as all the other protocols, I'm sure. I was just wondering if um, along the lines of what you were saying, Stella, with being recently vaxxed, if people with very compromised immune systems might be more susceptible to some of this stuff. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, their immune systems are compromised, so they're going to be susceptible to everything, really. Seems to be what's happening. Yeah, this is in Russian roulette with the immune system, and I think the the deep staters are using this to their advantage going, Hey, look at this. The body doesn't reject or fight anything we do to it. Now let's see what else we can do. Yeah. And the other thing that just sort of struck me too, is um, I recently in my news thing, not your mama's news with union of the unknowns brought a story about New Zealand and how there was some batches um, like obvious problems with 30 people for instance there's lots of them but this was one cluster 30 people who went to a the same place got vaccinated on the same day and 30 out of 30 are now deceased and they all died within a pretty short time of each other so i'm wondering yeah, if there's also a hot the... batch registry uh out there for the united states uh-huh. and a, yep. a bunch of other places so but i don't know if right, it correlates good. What I'm what I'm sort of relating here is though, um, so they've sort of got their little experimental batches of or clusters of um, the, the the V, but also then little clusters of different experiments of different reactions of things they're putting out perhaps in certain areas like certain. I mean, you've only got to look at this list of patents to see that it 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 lists all the the frequencies. You know, this this one is four to sixteen hertz. This one is uh, three thousand five hundred hertz. So. Are they doing a whole bunch of different clusters of different frequencies in different places, probably in accordance with different batches that they've recorded? I don't know. I mean, that's pretty fractal, but that's what they do, isn't it? And that's why they've had so many think tanks and so many alternatives and backups systems. If this, then that, you know, I don't know. So it's like one great big laboratory. I think we all agree on that. You know, I've, I've got a quick thought, and I think Rob might have a response because we've talked about this phenomenon where with mushrooms you can hear sort of this want 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 kind of tone coming seemingly emanating from the earth this is something yep. i've experienced personally sounds like it's not an isolated phenomenon so i am inclined to say there might be some connection with the fact that this guy a had took mushrooms within 48 hours 
B was like depressed apparently already. C had a headset on up in the atmosphere at 30,000 feet that he might have kind of picked up a frequency that like short circuited his fucking brain. I mean, is that is that a crazy hypothesis? I don't know. Sounds like the most reasonable explanation. I don't know. It it sounds a little far fetched to me if he's a person that has like a solid moral underpinning, right? Like if he's already somebody Dude. who is marginal, right? Who might be on the edge already. Maybe he's already had uh, you know, what do they call it? Suicidal ideation, right? Maybe he's already had treatment for that. Who knows? Uh it just seems to me like if he's, you know, a person who is uh, content and living their lives in accordance, you know, with with how they think a life should be lived, like, I have a hard time believing you're going to be able to zap their brain and, you know, turn them suicidal on a dime. Maybe it's possible. And maybe I just don't want to believe that it's possible. Right. But it it seems like it would be more difficult with that type of personality as opposed to one who's maybe already kind of moving in that direction anyway. I, I would agree again, with you, Drizzle. Sorry, Stella. I didn't mean to. No, sorry. I bled too much. I think, yeah, I think he must've been under some other kind of control, not just one frequency or something. Like if they can project voices into your head, then that's a different thing. And um, I think maybe they, you know maybe it was the perfect cocktail the perfect storm you know but um mm -hmm. yeah propaganda report right stella <laughs> well that that's yeah monica sort of coined that monica <laughs> yeah. but um yeah. I, I also wanted to just ask you know like we we're assuming that that's this story is is um uh, correct on a like in the detail level did he voluntarily take mushrooms or was he just programmed to say that he took mushrooms because there are looking at again at the patents, they can be programmed to say anything. The personalities can be taken over. Different voices can be projected in and out of them. So they're actually talking things that they're not controlling. Um, they can manipulate dreams. Apparently, mm. uh, there's You're, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. the, the ventriloquist like effect. To warn the flight crew. You this know, is, he's like, "Hey, handcuff me." Yeah, yeah. It was like there this, was this that... breakthrough sort of thing trying to happen. That those are the details that I find very interesting um you know and no agenda kind of covered uh this oh man they they've done a good job of hitting on certain details of it but like the oh, i, I kind of lost it you know what fuck it i'm gonna play this clip because it talks about like he came out of a dream state before doing this now again i agree we don't know what details we can actually trust to be true but there's some very weird details to this story. Airlines pilot under arrest for allegedly trying to shut off the engine mid-flight. Now, according to court documents, Joseph Emerson told authorities he had taken magic mushrooms. Emerson also told investigators that he thought he was in a dream and wanted to wake up before trying to shut off the engine. Well, a flight attendant says that once Emerson was restrained in the back of the aircraft, he tried to grab the handle of the emergency exit. Emerson is charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. 
I mean, weird shit, man. Like, this story is very weird. I mean, he could have been operating under the effects of hypnosis. That's I've, that's another I've, possibility. I've seen other reports where he apparently, like, reported that he had not slept for, like, you know, three days or something. It's like, why? Why hadn't he slept? And they're falling back on this excuse of, like, he was depressed because a friend of his died. So, like, it's always like, oh, he was mentally unwell. Well, can't lack of sleep cause, like, fucking psychosis? Yeah. But totally. why but why didn't he sleep? Why was he why was he awake? Three days know. is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then to think it's a good idea to go and fly a plane. And why would he take mushrooms before that's just like so irresponsible as well. Well I mean, he wasn't he wasn't he was flying. flying, he was riding in the jump seat. Right. But oh, right. maybe so he had flown right before it too and been up for a long time flying before that, you know, who knows? He was off duty at the time though, right? Oh, gotcha. Right. Yeah, he was he was off duty. Um just hitching a lift back home. But yeah, no, I mean, he he asked to be handcuffed. I mean, that's kind of curious. Yeah, it's he like was he, battling. It was like having this inner demon battle yeah, sort of yeah. like trying to trying to the good was trying to overcome the bad or the uncontrolled was trying to get the controlled side of him. Like was there a, was some kind of embracing the demon, like that kid in the video. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're seeing where I'm going with this. <laughs> yep. I mean, again, I don't have like a firm answer about this shit, but it's it's worth considering because there's neighbor accounts. I'm not going to play them. I've got the clips, but neighbors of this pilot guy who are like, oh, we went and had barbecues like our kids played with their kids, you know, this, that and the other like we never in a million years would have ever thought this was something that would be possible. And it's the same story with the main shooter. You know, I mean, it's like, it's what's happening with all the what, shooters? Yeah. Yeah. What's happening to these people? Even you go, you go back as far as Columbine, you know, they wanted to paint those kids as like the freak, uh, like goth kids. But apparently a lot of like, their student you know fellow students their classmates said you know like they were well enough liked they weren't like freaks you know i think there's this like they want to paint the picture of the of the crazy psycho rampage killer but who do you actually know like who have you ever met that fits that description like i don't i don't think that's a natural thing. I think that's totally made up. I feel like, like through my entire life that I've always been uh, of the subculture that gets blamed for the shootings. <laughs> well, this, this pilot, he is a straight white male, so he's definitely going to prison for the max sentence. Yeah. Can I also point out that it's there's a possibility, and I just want to point out also Western civilization says a plane body is a fantastic radio shield, didn't come from the outside. That's a really good point. And what went through my mind was I started thinking about that chick that was in the plane that went viral, you know, that had the as above, so below fingers, symbolism, symbolism. She was freaking out about something. She's not real. And No, no. And um, then there was another one. It's sort of like 
yeah, it's drawing our attention to this. And then I'm just thinking, is this sort of like an experiment at altitude, you know? Like, I don't know, just throwing it out there. Because they control people on the ground. I mean, can they control people in the air sort of thing with using the same thing? I don't know. How many times have they been experimenting on these things that we haven't connected because we haven't thought about connecting voices in the head technology years ago? How many pilots have been taken over, etc.? MH370 yeah. comes to mind. Was that the uh, Malaysian Airlines that went missing? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot. So I'm just throwing it out there, just spitballing, really. Hmm. I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking bringing it around to Mike's theme of um, like this chaos, but also, you know, with the, with the double swing arm and stuff, there's physics to it and you can try to calculate it as hard as you want. I think with a lot of this stuff, they're throwing an element of chaos into there where they might have computer model models that are super inaccurate. And can give them some idea, but they're, they have no idea. They're really screwing around with all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm getting at is like that principle uh, that the physics professor was kind of hitting at, you know, he's doing this demonstration with a very simple, you know, the double uh, fuck. I just lost the word pendulum. And, um, and he's talking about how if you drop it, even from an approximately similar place, the behavior is somewhat symmetrical, similar, what have you. So it's like, it doesn't have to be so exact. They've been playing around with this mass shooter thing for so long that they can relatively predict what the response might be, right? Yeah, it's like the chaos has almost become pre – it's predictable chaos almost to them because they've studied it so hard. It's organized chaos. Yeah. That's and I noticed argument. he dropped it um, – he dropped it sort of from a low thing and then he dropped it from a right angle mm -hmm. and then he dropped it from right up the top and it was all – there was a pattern to it, obviously, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it looked chaotic, but there, it wasn't <laughs> in a way. Yeah, there. I mean, there's really no such thing as total randomness. Like everything exists – within the laws of physics as far as we know i guess <laughs> not a, i'm not a physicist i agree but there's, there's levels of quantum physics that we don't quite understand oh we don't understand it but it's totally. predictable it, it it all works if you will you know what i mean if it's true, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Like this idea of truth where if it's true, it's always true everywhere all the time. Yeah, I agree And they're with always that. modifying. They're always modifying their physics understanding as well. I mean, things are constantly being modified as they're finding new things. There's quite mm -hmm. a lot of about physics that's been questioned, particularly in the last even decade. So, Stella, don't question the science. Sorry. I've been brainwashed enough. I must, hmm. I must watch more television. <laughs> well, you know, I've got, I've got more about the main shooter and I've got more about the, uh, the pilot and I think it's somewhat relevant, but I know OG said, you know, he might not be able to stay the whole time. And, and we were talking about maybe, um, covering the fact that apparently we're no longer allowing exports for ammunition and firearms. Do you want to hit that real quick? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about uh, the topic to give you one, you know, solid opinion on it. It just looks like they're not going to be exporting to. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a list of like forty countries, um, but of course, you know, Ukraine and and Israel still get their uh, still get their goods. Uh, but they're saying that it's basically to make sure that weapons don't get into the hands of uh, quote unquote bad people. You know, uh, which I, I kind of find funny because y- you've also seen some. Uh, bulletins issued about, you know, uh, 50 cows being bought at the uh, southern border of the United States and watching for, like, large purchases of guns and that there might potentially be some sort of attack uh, along the southern border. And, you know, now they're saying that Hamas is activating their cells and Iran's going to attack the U.S. So just all kind of funny to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. It seems worth noting. It's kind of like the um, the idea of indicators where, you know, I like the fact that Rob gave us a little on the ground report about ham radio operators being real active tonight. It's little shit like that. That's kind of worth paying attention to. Um, yeah. You know, some uh, Western civilization here said on the point of whether or not there was an outside kind of frequency in terms of this, this pilot, he says a plane body is a fantastic radio shield. Didn't come from the outside. Well, you know, I, I could see your point, but at the same time, like he was wearing a headset that was picking up ground radio, you know, apparently whatever you would assume that he was hearing the same stuff as the other two pilots, but again, I'm you know, I'm almost saying maybe the mushrooms had something to do with it, like a subtle sort of thing. 48 hours? Yeah, I mean, usually they're... A long-ass the, trip. Yeah, the effects are yeah. done. The, the effects are done by then, but I'm not saying there might not be lingering effects. Um, at the same time, maybe that's if, just... If the, it put him into a crazy state of mind that he couldn't get out of, he got a little stuck kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean... It, I can speak for my own self. Like I've fucked around with enough psychedelics. Um, there is such a thing as like kind of getting into a loop of sorts with your Wasn't thoughts. Wasn't that like a big thing with acid? Like people talk about you have a bad trip, you never quite come back. Yeah, some people claim that. You know, again, I don't know how much of that is like uh, urban legend or you know exaggeration or what. People talk. Yeah, about well, that's trips. that's the thing of it. Yeah. I've yeah. heard of it happening with LSD. I've never heard of it happening with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And even like the LSD reports, uh, it's always somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, right? So it turned into orange juice and was afraid people were going to drink him. Right. So as far as the guy on the plane goes, I we we saw what like a couple months ago with Maui. We saw some videos of how the military has um, directed energy weapons, right? It's like the same kind of thing. It's just this kind of focusing of frequencies. It could be done within the plane easily, regardless of whether it's on the headset or not. Yeah. There were plane-mounted DEWs. Oh, yeah. Line. Oh. And you've only got to look at the manifold of some of those cars and things. I mean, what melts a manifold and then leaves grass within a few feet unburnt? 
that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. I don't, I don't understand that. And also back to what OG was bringing, um, and what Rob was saying. I saw a bunch of fighter jets when I was at the beach a couple weeks ago, and I go to the beach, you know, usually every year around the same time of year, and don't usually see fighter jets flying by and it wasn't like they were in formation it was just here's one there another like hour goes by there's another one they were just flying over yeah it's funny you say that um i went and filled with a boat uh on the jersey shore this weekend and apparently there was a navy boat that came in to dock there for them to change out some parts and they offloaded a bunch of navy seals so yeah uh strange times we're living in No fucking doubt about that. Seems like people keep falling off like flies. I don't know what's happening. We lost Rob. Uh, who else did we just lose? The Drizzle. Drizzle. Hopefully we uh, we see them come back. Yeah, um, yeah. Hate to see somebody leave without saying goodbye, you know, but we'll see what happens. Love you uh, I guess that's my cue. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. Y'all have a good one. Hey, uh, no problem, OG. Thanks for yeah, saying goodbye. Good. Yeah, yeah. Drizzle said he might drop off for a bit. I see. Okay. See OG. Have a good one, bub. So I'm gonna show another clip here. Um, this is about what is it about? Oh, um, yeah. Okay. So we already saw one of the characters in this clip on the previous clip which makes me wonder if they might be crisis actors. Um, and I'll point her out when we get there. I'm just happy to be home, happy to be safe. And I'm happy they handled it really well. Alex Wood is one of the passengers on Alaska Airlines flight 2059, so relieved to be safe. He and his girlfriend, Aubrey Gavello, were returning home from a friend's wedding when police say an off-duty pilot inside the cockpit attempted to disable the aircraft engines. Neither Wood or Gavello ever saw or heard any commotion. Did you hear anything at all that raised red flags? Nothing. Nothing until the flight attendant's announcement that said we had a situation we needed to prepare for a landing. All right, so that girl, did you recognize her? She was, she was in the other yep, video. Yep, definitely the same girl who said he had a cold, dead stare. Yeah, and now she's kind of got a different story. My boyfriend was up in the front, so we weren't sitting together, and he slept through the whole thing. So that tells you how calm it was. Gabella says the announcement was made about an hour into the flight. Then she saw flight attendants walk the suspect past her. I saw zip ties during, which was confusing because they had told us it was a medical emergency. Gabella says at the back of the plane, a flight attendant tried to calm the suspect, telling him, you're going to be okay. What was his demeanor? Yeah, he was tall, well-kempt, uh, had a lanyard, well, like, shirt tucked in looked well put together this is what it looked like after the emergency landing in portland we landed and then about 10 police officers armed came on um walked straight to the back of the plane where i was sitting and detained him and walked the gentleman off the plane he looked dead in the eyes almost it was almost like he had a psychotic breakdown um and then the flight attendant got back on and told us he had a mental breakdown. Witt and Gabello both say this experience has raised some big concerns. With all love and respect for people dealing with mental health issues, um, it's a scary moment for all of us. Um, and I hope he gets the help he needs, but I, I also don't think it's acceptable for a pilot to do this. 
Mandatory psychological evaluations. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes, there's been a really big point towards the mental health issues for at least a year or two now. Um, There's been lots of events here in, um, in Australia as well which have not ended well at all, has, has ended in death. And Monica Perez herself, shout out Monica, our pod mother, um, she's, been, she's been onto this for at least, yeah, since the start really, since the beginning, she's been saying, yeah, it's definitely all pointing towards the mental health thing. So uh, it's going to be also a case, I mean, there's plenty of people who are going to crack on their own, but there's also a case of the controlled crack. So I guess that's part of, you know, the false flag events, um, being able to control people's minds so they break in the right way, in the way that supports the agenda and in a way that is controllable. So they're just little robots, basically. And again, coming back to that patent list, there are stacks and stacks of progressively historical um, updates of these patents about mind control using whatever source, whatever. Some of them is just about using light, flickering of light. So. Organized, organized chaos. That's what they're trying to achieve. Because yep. you can, you can use the chaos to build back better. Exactly. Right? Control yeah. it all exactly along the narrative, just the way you want it to be, so that all the outcomes are exactly the way they should be. Here's the solution, because we engineered it to be need that solution. So yeah. I'm kind of bummed that, that the Drizzle and Rob left because I, I bet Rob knows something about this, but I know that the Drizzle does as well. Um, but the um, there's a book called Program to Kill by Dave McGowan, and a lot of people have been covering this lately. Uh, in fact, Drizzle just interviewed, well, it's just, I mean, like maybe about two months ago, uh, Rotting Jewels, and she talked uh, a, a lot about Scientology and various other things, but uh, but she's also covered uh, this book. It, it's about you know all all the people that that were there were a lot of serial killers that were MK Ultra into doing it, and uh, and that's what this this card case sounds like. And I figure our our guys would know some more on that. In fact, y'all might know some more on that, so I'm gonna pass it back. Well, I've got some clips on that. Maybe we start there. Might as well. well. Let's go. There's been concern, of course, over the mental health of the suspect. Uh, we know you can't think that someone in their right mind would do something like this. And we know officials have confirmed that this suspect, Robert Card, was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks over the summer. Yeah, and Carolyn, we learned that over the summer he was training with his Army Reserve Unit at West Point in New York with United States uh, Military Academy cadets, and and he was acting erratically, they had said. Uh, It's unclear if he received any treatment. Do you want to bring in Axel Tercios now, who has been looking into the past uh, of Robert Card as he remains at large right now? Axel, what are we learning? Well, Chris, we know that Robert Card, uh, according to a U.S. Army official that confirmed this information to Scripps News, he has been a member of the U.S. Army Reserve for more than 20 years. Right now, there is a warrant out for his arrest. Card is uh, being sought on eight counts of murder. And at the moment, 10 victims have not been identified. So meaning that those counts could grow, potentially grow in the following hours. Uh, We also do know that this year in mid-July, 
Picard was taken by police to be evaluated for his mental health after military officials became concerned about his erratic behavior and his personal safety. This happened while he was training at a West New York uh, military facility. I spoke to Eric Gordon, who is the communications director at the University of Maine, and he told me, he confirmed to us that Card uh, went there to study engineering technology in the years from 2001 to 2004. He said he did not graduate, but he was able to confirm that information to us. Also, we do know that uh, Card has been honored for his military service at several times, including the Humanitarian Service Medal. Chris. Yeah, so we know that he enlisted in the Army Reserve, uh, Army Reserves back in 2002. So he's been in uh, the reserves for a long time. Uh, at this point, do we know anything about a possible motive? So law enforcement officials are not speaking to a motive at the moment. But earlier today, they did say that they are going to review information about his mental health and how he got access to this gun or guns. We don't know that information as of now, but Maine governor was also there present at the press conference earlier today, and she sent a message to the community here in Lewiston. Let's take a listen. I know that the people of Lewiston are enduring immeasurable pain. I wish I could take that pain off your hearts, off your shoulders, but I promise you this, we will all help you carry that grief. This is a dark day for Maine. I know it's hard for us to think about. All right. Uh, I think that's about all that's worth seeing in that clip. I actually have sort of a breaking um, development in this story. There, you know, I had a feeling that audio had something to do with this whole thing. Apparently, there's been reports that this guy was recently fitted with quote unquote high power um, hearing aids. And I was listening to No Agenda today. They were talking about the fact that there are no such thing as, quote, high power hearing aids. Correct. That's just bullshit. Now, what yes. is what is interesting about hearing aids is that they recently allowed um, over the counter devices, amplifiers to be marketed as hearing aids. Yes. So, those are also bullshit. They are bullshit. They amplify sound, but they, they don't work the same way as your traditional, you know, hearing aids that you have to go to an audiologist to get fitted, right? Correct. I actually know something about this because I almost went to work for Miracle Ear right before I became an internet celebrity. So it hasn't been that long. Huh. Um, my mom just received her government issue hearing aids a couple of days ago. Um, every every so often, yeah, I know. <laughs> every so often, um, the government gives out these free hearing devices for pensioners. And up till now, it's like she always ends up with these packets and packets and packets of these little tiny batteries. Of course, they don't fit anything else except that hearing aid. And she ends up throwing most of them out because you know you use about one or two, and she's got like a thousand or something ridiculous. It's just a you know another scam of money laundering, probably whatever. Um, anyway, these recent ones that they sent to her, they're different. So they're ones where she was because they send a letter first. So they ha she hasn't actually received them. They send a letter first saying this is 
what we're offering and they're worth like, you know, three grand or something each. So then they're all free for pensioners. And But these ones, it says, and you can control them with an app. And I said to her, there's no way you're getting those, mum. Like, no. And she doesn't want to know about them either. She's going, oh, I don't want anything like that in my year. You know, it's like. Oh, man. So these I would are be, like converted to a completely different technology now. I would be very wary of of government hearing aids. I mean, come on. Like, everybody needs to read Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. Because the smart people were given auditory implants that would send out distracting noises so they could not excel so that they would be brought down to quote unquote equality true equality nobody can be any better at thinking than anybody else if a government sends you something and says put this in your ear or in your arm i'm thinking you shouldn't do it yes they need to end up in that little red littered bin that they also provide. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I'd be putting them in my ear. So like I said, I've got I've got kind of an update to this story. And this is very, very curious. I've not watched this video and I guess we'll see if this turns out to be true. But this is kind of interesting. Good evening, ma'am. Doing fifty two in the twenty five zone. Oh, Have you been drinking? Hang on, this is Ann. No, if if you're Four of the men killed in the massacre were deaf, and there is growing speculation that the suspect, Robert Card, targeted them. Card had recently started using hearing aids. His sister-in-law says Card, who suffered mental disorders, believed that he could hear deaf people bashing him at cornhole competitions at Shemangi's restaurant. This exclusive video shows Card playing in a cornhole tournament at the restaurant last year. There you go, Robbie. One of those killed was 36-year-old Joshua Seal, a sign language interpreter who became a familiar face to TV viewers in Maine during the pandemic. We faced the worst that nature had to offer. Also killed were these deaf people, Bill Brackett, Steve Vizella, and 40-year-old Brian McFarlane. Others slain include 42-year-old Arthur Strout, who was playing pool with his father. He was supposed to leave with me when it came time to leave. He says, no, he says, I want to hang out and play a couple more games. 57-year-old bar manager Joseph Walker is being called a hero. We spoke to his wife and daughter. He could have just went out the back door, and instead he grabbed a butcher knife and ran after was going after the shooter. 39-year-old Peyton Brewer-Ross leaves behind a wife and two-year-old, you know, his brother Ralph. I now have a two-year-old niece. She just turned two on the 13th of October um, that, you know, is not, not going to have a father. Her first words when she woke up the next morning was, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Of the total of 18 slain, 17 were male. The lone woman among the casualties was 53-year-old Trisha Asselin, who worked at the bowling alley. Trisha's 10-year-old cousin, Tony, was playing in a youth bowling league that night. I saw someone get shot. They were just sitting, and all of a sudden, when I heard the boom, I think it hit them because they just fell off their chair. Okay, sorry. I, play, I, I played like 30 seconds of just really depressing shit there. Um, probably could have cut it off sooner. But what do you think? Is there... I'm actually, I'm glad you didn't cut it off sooner because mm -hmm. I thought it was quite odd that that dude was so just cavalier and matter of fact about his dead brother. Like, like, just, mm. wow. 
Kind of like a crisis actor would be? I, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, don't put words in my mouth or anything. It's just, <laughs> I'm just saying it's odd behavior to me yeah. uh, for somebody in that particular situation that it's, it stood out. It seems to be a consistency was sort of where I was going. Yeah. Reminds me of there's, there's a clip of um, one of the, I, I think it might've been one of the Sandy Hook um, parents, right? Mm-hmm. who who right before going up to a podium to make like a public address was like smiling and it looked a little too joyful of a smile and people in the comments are all like well people you know smile and laugh like nervously when they're under stress but it's like if you watch the video it's like it looks like a genuine smile not any kind of a forced smile, right? And it's just kind of weird. It gives you like heebie-jeebie vibes. I don't know. Yeah, I'm all about like reading into body language and um, the the kind of idiosyncrasies of people's behavior. You know? Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And uh, there was there's been similar things in other similar sort of situations. Um, Port Arthur. Yeah, Uvalde. Another. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Port Arthur here in Tassie, in Tasmania in 1996 was another one with um, a gentleman who, yeah, lost some family members and was there was some behaviour connected through that that suggested for those who watch these things that that was disingenuous. I've got to be very careful. <laughs> yeah, we do have to be careful on this subject because uh, a certain guy has to pay a billion dollars because he uh he talked because about of that this, you know mm. yeah yeah and and i want to make a brief mention of uh they actually did uh put owen in prison owen schroyer um just for saying 1776 he didn't enter the capital and he wasn't anywhere near it i mean he was in the same town but he wasn't in in that crowd and so for saying 1776 can you explain that i'm not real familiar with the story they're making an example of him like they made an example of his boss huh pretty much 1776 uh, is the revolution so that's what he was saying that's the implication and yep and here we are we're we're in this phase of uh of the uh, Banana Republic, where uh, people are arrested that had nothing to do with the crime, and mm-hmm. even you know, I, I don't even consider J six a crime. It was just a bunch of people walking around and and taking a look at the museum, basically. How dare people enter the people's house? <laughs> exactly. I also want to point out again, there was the number seventeen. There were seventeen males, um, and I'd, it'd be interesting to look into. A little bit more into the four mute people. Thought that was interesting. Or deaf, deaf yeah. people. Yeah, yeah like I, I said, I I had not heard anything about that until just now. Uh, kind of saw it like on the suggested videos, but I don't know. There might be something to the hearing aid thing. Again, I don't know. I don't. I, I have no firm answers here. But um, these are the type of questions that I'm coming up with. Um, I want to play this where it's kind of the neighbors. Hey, can I jump in quick first? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Along the hearing aid thing, 
Um, one thing I didn't see in the footage of all those deaf people was hearing aids. Um, I know they're they they're good at hiding them behind their ears and stuff, but I didn't pick up on any of that, and I was looking for it. People don't always wear their hearing aids, though. Sometimes they only wear them when it's relevant. So right, yeah, that's very true for sure. Mm. You're muted, Mike. My bad. I do that. Uh, it it was like a deaf uh, cornhole tournament. Now, not all deaf people are trying to regain some level of hearing. They might have been, you know, there's varying degrees of deafness, right? Yeah, and one one of the people who was killed was a sign language interpreter, and mm -hmm. I think those people are very valuable for communicating. And if um, you know, they're up on the screen along with top world leaders and um, <laughs> and interpreting things, and they might tell the truth of what they're saying more than some other interpretations that we get to see. <laughs> There's a little bit of a weird sink here, actually, because I was on the propaganda report with Brad last week and um, I was bringing some old propaganda from some old magazines and one of the articles was um, deaf mutes, um, a deaf mute murder. And it was about how they brought in an interpreter who was a deaf mute to be able to speak to the accused who was a deaf mute who had murdered a deaf mute. So it was, it was this very strange sort of thing. And we talked about how well, you'd have to trust the interpreter and make sure that, you know, everything was being interpreted correctly. Mm -hmm. It was just a point of conversation, but, yeah, weird sync. <laughs> Interesting shit, I will say. Who's um, that American hero who was deaf, mute, and blind and published um, civil rights literature through her, <laughs> through her caretaker? Her, oh, I thought it was Handyman. Handyman. Yeah, nobody got that. All right. I must be the old one in the bunch. <laughs> Apparently. I'm the only one who gets the uh, the In Living Color reference there. Am I thinking right. of Helen Keller? I think that's Yeah, well, I was I was going to say I remember I remember in in school there being a whole slew of Helen Keller jokes, right? It was like Chuck Norris jokes and Helen Keller jokes. That was the thing. Maybe that was just a you know my generation kind of thing, but I find it I find it interesting. I've actually got a clip for both the um, the main shooter and the pilot where it's neighbors talking about their character, and I just think it's kind of noteworthy. Uh, this one's real short. But we also today learned a little bit more about Robert Card. He lives in a town about twenty minutes from here. Let me show you where he lives. He lives in Bowdoin, Maine. And as you can see, we couldn't get to his house because ATF and police agents have surrounded it and cut off the streets. Neighbors in that area, many of them wouldn't talk to us out of loyalty to the Card family. Meanwhile, just up the road, the Card family is a cattle family. They own a lot of land there in town. They're well-respected. At least that's what a family friend told me just a short while ago. As far as you can see, everything around here is their land. They're farmers. They're really good people. What about uh, Robert? I knew he was back around last year because I saw his brother and talked to him while he was hunting. And other than that, he's been in the military the last 20 years, as far as I knew. Farm Married kids? I don't think so. Yeah, I've been here for 44 years. I know everybody. I mean, it's a small community. And, I mean, the cards are really good people. They're hardworking farming people. And this, this whole thing is absolutely mind-blowing.
to San Francisco for our next story, and it's a terrifying one. A pilot accused of cutting the plane's engines mid-flight. The plane was supposed to end up... When they heard this news, they thought it was right out of left field. Seems you're a typical normal guy. Neighbors described Joseph David Emerson as a family man who loves his wife and two children. He's a very... Uh, Good dad, as far as I could tell, and he was always playing with the kids, always doing things for them, taking them places. He also liked to take flight as a commercial pilot for Alaska Airlines, neighbors say. Every time we go to Seattle, we were like, that could be our neighbor driving us, riding us there, piloting us there. But when I, when I heard the news, I'm like, what? It's near Seattle where a Horizon flight took a turn on Sunday, never reaching San Francisco. Emerson was in the jump seat behind the pilots, accused of trying to shut the engines down mid-flight with dozens of passengers on board. It just is very surprising. The plane landed safely in Portland. Emerson's now facing 83 attempted murder charges and others for reckless endangerment. It's scary. You hope that people are vetted. The California Pilots Association says any off-duty pilots using the jump seat are extensively vetted. Outside Emerson's home, a sign reads, free flying lessons, inquire inside. But no one came to the door. He didn't talk about his job much, but he loved what I could tell, being a pilot and you know getting new training and just enjoying his job. We're told he taught at Concord's Buchanan Field Airport. He also coached his son's baseball team in Pleasant Hill and was known for having family-friendly backyard parties. Our grandson goes over there when he's visiting us and his kids come over here. Other friends and neighbors say whatever happened off the ground was out of character for a man who appeared grounded. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I'm uh, starting to wonder uh, just about the random nature of it all, right? The airline pilot, the the shootings at, at wherever. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I recently finished reading uh, David McGowan's program to kill and the way he, he kind of lays out uh, the case that he makes for uh, these phenomenon that we're supposed to be viewing as random acts of violence, actually having uh, a coherent um, trajectory over the course of time. Um. Because, I don't know, it's, for me personally, it's hard to look at any of these incidents now, um, even the, the airline pilot, right? Because that, again, is something that has, it, it grew legs in the media, right? It, it made the rounds in the news media. Lots of people know about it, which tells me that we were supposed to hear it. We were supposed to know about it. This is something that we're supposed to be thinking about. Um, it's just all too convenient. And especially when you have like what happened in Maine this past week where, it, you know, the early details and the details that are coming after the fact aren't agreeing with one another. And of course, we all know typically what, what it means 
when that starts happening after about the first week or so, you know, stories are changing. They're, they're trying to get the narrative just right so that the public will accept it. I don't know. Uh, it seems there, like there's, there's a lot of, uh, psychological, um, tactics being deployed on the population uh from a number of different uh angles it seems like they're pulling out all the plugs you know um the season of harvest is usually spring and summer and now that it's fall it's like i guess they didn't get enough um excess mortality rates are still way up they they haven't gone down since 2021 well, but, you look at it, you look at it from the calendar and uh, a black magic perspective, this we're again going towards another high holy day, which is typically viewed as a, as a season of sacrifice. So, good point. you know, if point. you're into that sort of thing, you might be trying to make some of that stuff happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I would expect to see a lot of activity around now. And um, of course, All Saints Day is the next day, so <laughs> we'll have to pray and mop up the mess the next day. And don't forget, it's it's spring here. It's only um, fall over there. Yep. Yep. Funny. All sorts of different cyclic things going on in different hemispheres. <laughs> well, the the fuzziness of the detail is is worth noting with both of these stories. You know, supposedly with the main shooting, it came out that he was like a firearms instructor, and then I think that got debunked. Like he was a truck driver. And like, there's all these weird little details that keep getting like thrown out and pulled back. And like, it's hard to know heads or tails of any of it, frankly. It's one of their classic pieces of ammunition is muddying mm -hmm. the waters. So like, um, as Drizzle pointed out, over the few days or whatever, they can bring out different things to shape the narrative, but they can also bring out diff lots of things to muddy the waters of truth. So. Um, it becomes very, very difficult. I mean, everything is just speculation, everything. Unless you're there. So I'm tempted to throw something at y'all. That's kind of my final thought. Um, I think what they're going to try to do is paint this stuff as a certain level of what you might call organizational creep. Okay. And it's kind of like mission creep. It's like when you start to entropy, entropy as an organization, you start to decay from the inside due to the yes men and the bureaucracy and the this and the that. Um, I think they're going to try to blame a lot of this stuff on that. That's why we're seeing calls for gun control. It's why with like the airline thing, what you're going to see is calls for increased oversight and regulation. I hope I'm making sense. Um, but this, this example from 2000, again, I went kind of on a rabbit hole, <laughs> whatever. I fell down it, you know, kind of prepping that for this episode. But what do you got, Stella, before I play? Uh I just wanted to say that's the way the Fabian system works. It's a slow creep and disintegration mm. 
you know, from the inside um, infiltration, which is beyond anybody's imagination. Like people just say, oh, you're so black-pilled. That's not that bad. Yes, it bloody is that bad, okay? (laughs) It just is. Everything is infiltrated to the point where the people who make the decisions are controlled people. It's been going on for a long time, right down to local level. So, you know, here we are. That's the truth. Well, and I think it might be partly to blame. Like it might be part of the answer. Um, this organizational entropy is maybe what I'll call it, but I don't think it's the whole story. Again, I'm calling it organized chaos. I think that somebody's dropping the pendulum this way and that to fuck with people, to to justify their own to destroy the system sure. from the inside. Yeah. I mean, that's why there's a geriatric running the superpower of the world at the moment. Right. It's just to destroy right. the whole system so they can come in and go, well, we've got this new system. Here we go. Yeah. Fixes everything. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. The saviors have been planned for a long time. Yep. Centuries. All right. Well, if y'all are good with it, I'm going to play this. Um, I found it. I found it kind of illuminating in certain ways. But this was from 2000, so it's been a while. Um, I would be surprised if anybody really remembers. But uh, (laughs) this is actually kind of what spawned the movie Flight uh, with Denzel Washington, where he goes upside down. Anywho, here we go. Recorded on the cockpit voice recorder. And simultaneously, several small radar returns could be seen on the air traffic control radar as the tip fairing was ripped off and separated from the aircraft. The stabilizer now moved upwards to an angle too high to measure on the flight data recorder and this caused an immediate and violent pitch forward. This was a hopeless situation to recover from as the whole horizontal stabilizer was now completely out of control but that didn't stop Captain Ted from trying. What he now did was to, instead of trying to pull out of the 70 degrees deep dive, he pushed forward and rolled the aircraft left over to an inverted position, effectively counteracting the downward pitch of the stabilizer. He called out, push, 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 and roll, whilst the first officer called out, mayday, but without actually transmitting it on the radio. Because of the roll, the pitch decreased from minus 70 degrees to 29 and then minus 9 degrees, as they were now flying inverted out of the bay. At time 16, 19 and 54 seconds, Captain Ted called out, okay, we're inverted, and now we need to get it indicated that he wanted to get it rolled back into a normal position again. And as he was trying this, they were passing 16,400 feet, still descending with a speed of 208 knots. During the next few seconds, the flight data recorded indicated aileron movement both in left and right direction as the flaps were being retracted. Captain Ted called out, push, push, push the blue side up, indicating that he wanted to get the aircraft back on the right keel again. And that was followed by a call to kick rudder, kick left rudder, left rudder. First officer Bill responded that he couldn't reach it. And Captain Ted then called, okay, right rudder, right rudder. This effort didn't work. And 10 seconds later, Captain Ted said, gotta get it over again, but at least upside down, we're flying. But sadly, this call was almost immediately followed by the sound of several compressor stalls and the sound of the right engine spooling down, likely because of the extreme angle of the oncoming air that was hitting the engine inlets. From this point, there was nothing more that could be done.
Captain Ted asks for the speed brakes to be extended, but his last words could be heard on the cockpit voice recorder at times 16, 20 and 56 seconds when he said, ah, here we go. Less than a second later, the aircraft impacted the Pacific Ocean and all 88 people on board were instantly lost. Several other aircraft in the area had witnessed Flight 261's final descent, and with the help of them and radar pictures, the crash site was quickly found. The debris was scattered over the sea floor, and it took a week to salvage the majority of the pieces, and among them was the flight data recorder, the cockpit voice recorder, and most of the jack screw assembly from the horizontal stabilizer. With the help of those pieces, the NTSB investigators could relatively quickly start honing in on what had caused this horrible tragedy. When they looked closer on the ACME screw and knot, they saw that the knot was almost completely smooth with only remnants of threads still left inside. On the ACME screw, they found several spiral-formed pieces of thread which had been ripped out of the knot likely during that first dive. But what really shocked everyone was that there didn't seem to be any grease at all left neither on the screw or on the knot. The grease fitting on the knot was clogged with a grey mixture of old grease and wear material and the rest of the components were completely dry. There was no lubricant at all on them. This led the investigators to start scrutinizing the maintenance records of Alaska Airlines as well as interviewing mechanics and engineers. Big discrepancies were quickly found in both their maintenance manual and how the maintenance work was actually being carried out at their various technical centers. On top of that, important management functions were not filled in the airline, which had caused real confusion about who was responsible for what. This had happened over several years as the Alaska Airlines operation kept growing, and this is what I was referring to as organizational creep. It had all happened in small incremental steps. The conclusion of the investigation was that the crash had been caused by a loss of control due to the in-flight failure of the horizontal stabilizer trim jack screw assembly. Contributing to the cause was Alaska Airlines' extended lubrication schedule and wear checks, which had both been approved by the FAA. Those two components, combined with one or possibly several poorly executed lubrications, meant that excessive wear went undetected and ultimately led to the complete failure of the threads inside of the ACME knot and the subsequent failure of the torque tube. There were 24 safety recommendations that came out of the investigation. A few of them gave clearer guidance to pilots about not repeating actions in checklists regarding the trim system and not using the autopilot with flight control problems. But the vast majority of the recommendations were aimed at Alaska Airlines and the FAA regarding maintenance intervals, lubrication and wear checks of the horizontal stabilizer. After the accident, the lubrication schedule was immediately changed to be completed every 650 hours on all MDAT aircraft. There were also recommendations about not allowing certification of aircraft unless they could prove that they weren't susceptible to catastrophic single-point failures like the one that had happened in this case. Okay, I know that was a bit long. I apologize, but um, the the idea... I. I I have a couple is essentially that there is something to this organizational creep, this entropy that, um, you know, it's, it's what we see with any big bureaucracy where it starts to fail any big system 
right? It's a matter of physics again. That's kind of my overall point. Um, but at the same time, like, ah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna open it up. I don't know what my other point was, but anybody else want to say anything? It was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He he eventually mentions like, yeah, this is what kind of inspired that that scene from that movie. But so I I might have missed something in the video because I got distracted texting y'all, but um the thing about not being able to reach one of the ailerons or something, like wouldn't that just be your joystick? Is there a separate mechanical thing that they were going for or something? That it was a be, reach the left rudder, I believe. Yeah, the rudder. Yeah. It could be it could be a um, a pedal, but I don't know. Or a switch. It's just yeah. weird that they wouldn't be able to reach it. Well, in the position that, that they were in at that point, which was uh upside down. Yeah. Uh they were most likely strapped uh, okay. in to their seat. So yeah, range yeah. of motion is gonna be limited to you know what they could what was it within reach. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes more sense. Huh. You know, I suppose I think the other point I wanted to make was this idea of a single point failure. Um, it's like people, people's brains can just snap. Mm -hmm. That's why they have, yeah, several pilots on mm -hmm. flight with mm -hmm. other people that can take over if two pilots go down, if necessary. And autopilot, of course. But yes, people can snap. That's that's certainly true. It it makes me wonder now, um, you know, just kind of looking at it with a little bit of distance from the, you know, when we first heard that part of the show tonight. Even as a member of the flight crew roaming through the plane telling the the federal agents right the sky marshals you need to handcuff me don't you like try to at that point as as the sky marshal like stay with the guy and try and figure out what's going on there's not always a sky marshal um they don't have enough for every flight so I bet you air crews have handcuffs because it happens where you have an unruly passenger. So it's, um, I, I bet you there was no sky, sky marshal at all. That's my assumption. I mean, I'm just going based off of what the media tells us. So, yeah, you know, I was, I was on two very small flights recently and, uh, there probably wasn't a sky marshal on either one of those. Mm. There was also some mention of um, of zip ties by that one gal, I believe the yeah the blonde the blonde gal. She said zip ties. So apparently the the, the perpetrator, the guy, he said you better handcuff me. But it's very likely they didn't actually have handcuffs; they had zip ties. Hmm. Um, and it sounds like if he was able to reach for a door for an you know emergency exit he had his hands cuffed in front of him, not behind him. Right. So anyways, I don't think there was any Marshall. I don't. 
Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, like they wouldn't have enough people to cover every flight. Um, so there would be a certain point where they'd rely on vigilantes who are always ready to jump up and, you know, chivalrously, chibber, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to try to say that, jump in and, um, you know, help out. So there's that. I mean, there's only so much you can do in an, in the aisle of a tele of a, of a aeroplane, isn't there? As far as struggling and <laughs> it would be fairly easy to overcome someone who's not armed, I would imagine, with all those people on board. So I, I guess there'd be some training for these air hostesses, etc. Oh, sorry, that's very right. Um, sexist. If air you have a pair of box cutters, it could go a long way. <laughs> I think they call them. Allegedly. Um, Flight attendants, right? Okay. Let's Steward, get that right. Stewardess is passe. <laughs> you can't say stewardess. My apologies. Um, Didn't mean it to is offend. funny though. Almost every every time I see a man a man doing that job, he appears very very homosexual. But that's just my it, personal experience. <laughs> we we it's had so a, true. They're... Did you get the? They, did they you get are. the? <laughs> Did you get the flight uniforms for, for men recently? I don't know if that was just Australia or whether that was a global thing, but they brought out the uniforms for, for men, like the skirts, et cetera, for men, hmm. flight attendants. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I guess um, the last thing I thought I would share is a third clip from this naval um, postgraduate school and it's all about energy and I just find it interesting that this is what like kind of material they're putting out it's kind of like hmm, I don't know it, it to me it raises some questions but I figure it's worth watching and then you know we're getting to the two and a half hour mark it looks like so uh, <laughs> yeah as usual these things take time, but happy to talk about anything else after this. Um, but yeah, let me play this and we'll see what you think. What is the energy that is being transferred to this glider? What is the work that is being done on this pendulum? Hello. In this video, we will show how the dot product is essential to our understanding of the conservation of energy. As part of this, we will do the physics demonstrations that you just saw. The dot product of two vectors is the product of the magnitudes and the cosine of the angle between the vectors. The dot product has many applications. Here we consider mechanical examples and what is probably the single most important fact in all of physics, energy is conserved. By energy conservation, we mean that the total energy of an isolated system is constant. Energy can transform from one type to another, but the total energy must remain constant. Furthermore, if a system is not isolated, the change in energy is exactly equal to the energy added to or taken from the system. In mechanics, the energy is the sum of the kinetic and potential energies. Kinetic energy is the energy of motion. A mass m with velocity v has kinetic energy one half mv squared. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is dense. Maybe I'll give you just so you're thinking in my own terms in a second. 
Like, I think that the principles of, of physics are being applied on how they manipulate masses of people. Okay. And that they are weaponizing our energy. They're transferring our, they're changing it from one thing to another. We are pendulums. Like, I know I sound stoned and maybe I am, but I like where you're going with it. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm being a little self-conscious here. <laughs> it's, it's, this is nerd shit, man. I wish Rob was here, but like man, it's, every- it's kind of the purpose of mass media when you get right down to it. It's to yeah. set us all on a certain vibration, on a trajectory, yep. on a, on an amplitude in a certain direction to do work. You know, that's what it's all about. That's what it all boils down to. Yep. And look what it says there. Military example, kinetic energy of bullet or artillery shell cannot mm-hmm. exceed chemical energy released by explosives. So in other words, of a small localized thing is nowhere near as effective as a large mass thing. So that's mm-hmm. basically what that's saying. Mm-hmm. So as Drizzle just said, yes, mass media, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. And what did Nikola Tesla say? Um, you know, frequency, energy, and vibration. And that's all physics. So um, the spoken word has power. Mm-hmm. The tongue has, is one of the most, in fact, I think it might be the most spoken of thing in the Bible. Huh. The control of the tongue. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm really glad. Well, in to the hear beginning was the word. Was the word. Was the word. The, the tongue yes. is a sword that can be used for truth or evil. Mm. Double-edged sword. Correct. Yeah. We've talked about spelling, spell casting. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm glad y'all are with me here. Cause I just, as I watched this, like I, man, when I found this, this, this YouTube channel for the Naval postgraduate school, I'm like, there is some shit going on here. Okay. He's teaching the basics. I almost think this is some kind of like introductory course for, you know, new students or even prospective students or something because he kind of in multiple videos i'm not going to play all of them but he he kind of says like oh you got to take you know there's two um semesters of coursework in this in this particular field or what have you but anywho let me play the rest or at least some of it (laughs) it's just to me there's so much to learn here Potential energy can be considered as stored energy due to changes in the configuration of the system. This energy exists in many forms. Gravitational potential energy is MGY, where G is the acceleration due to gravity and Y is the vertical position. A military example of energy conservation is that the kinetic energy of a bullet or artillery shell cannot exceed the released chemical energy of the explosive. The energy of a mechanical system changes if work is done on the system. The change in energy equals the work, which is a form of energy. This is where the dot product enters the picture. The work done by a constant force for a straight line displacement is the dot product of the force and the displacement. Why is the work defined in this way? The answer is that only this definition leads to our expression of energy conservation. We are now ready for the demonstrations. 
This is an air track with a glider. Pressurized air escapes from small holes in the hollow metal track here, causing the glider to float on a cushion of air. The result is very little friction, as you can see. On a level track like this one, the glider moves at nearly constant velocity. Starting from the glider at rest, I am now going to use a spring to exert a constant horizontal force along the track over some distance. You know the force is constant because the spring is stretched a constant amount. The work is the force times the distance. By energy conservation, the glider gains an equal amount of kinetic energy. Potential energy is not involved here. But what happens if I exert a vertically upward force on the glider? As long as the glider remains on the track, nothing changes. But aren't I doing work on the glider? No. The dot product is zero here because the force and displacement are perpendicular to each other. Theta is equal to 90 degrees. So the work is zero. Okay, I'm going to pause because I want to translate once again into what my thoughts are. When it comes to manipulating masses, you want to create as close to a frictionless environment as possible. If your goal is to make is to do work, to, to guide people in a direction. You want to pull parallel and you want to reduce friction. You, you want to maximize your effort. So it would be natural to steer narratives in a way that create a frictionless environment. Am I, am I making sense there? Yes, and... I just want to relate that to the supposed, well, okay, Japan has the, um, you know, the magneto train thing. It's alleged that um, under the ground that that's how they travel so quickly from place to place is through, okay, where I'm going with this is to create that frictionless thing is to do it in a vacuum and that's how they do it really fast um, underground with the train travels. It's alleged. So it's like in a tunnel, which is a vacuum. So there's absolutely no resistance, no friction, nothing to slow it down. So that's why it's really quick in a conspiratorial sort of level. So I've heard. When it, at, on the metaphor that we're doing here with um, <clears throat> mass manipulation of people, um, what is the friction? You want to eliminate the friction. Um, I guess we are the friction. Like any kind of resistance is the friction. That's yes, what, and what friction is, yeah. is resistance. And they have to create a vacuum as well, which is sort of also what they're doing, like oh, creating a yeah. vacuous kind of society, take right. out all individual critical thinking, insert programming. That's like a vacuum, isn't it? For sure. I hope this isn't too much of a stretch, you know, but... Once again, I find the source to be particularly interesting. Why, why is it being framed the way it's being framed? As far as maybe I just didn't get a lot of physics in school, but I find sort of the application here being that ultimately they're discussing the physics of weaponry, right? That's kind of the end goal. This is the naval postgraduate school. Yeah. I don't know. So they're understanding the physics. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. 
Yeah. Here. We'll we'll play it on. It's not it's like a minute and a half more. This is also true if the glider is in motion. The velocity and thus the kinetic energy remain the same. Okay, but what if the spring is at some angle between zero and 90 degrees? The dot product tells us that the work is now F D cosine theta. Note that the dot product continuously connects these two special cases of zero degrees and 90 degrees. Here we have a mass that is suspended from a string. This system is called a pendulum. I am now using a spring to slowly exert a horizontal force on the mass. Note that the spring stretches more and more. This tells us that more and more force is being required. The force is variable here, unlike before. There is essentially no kinetic energy, but I'm doing work on the system. So where's that energy going? It is all going into gravitational potential energy. How much work is required to raise? Okay, so what I was thinking about when I was watching this, let's say the left and the right are two independent pendulums in a system, and they're both being pulled back with strings to the extremes. Catch my drift. And he has videos. It's very interesting. He has videos where he has billiard balls, you know, excuse me, billiard balls, equal mass, equal size, equal circumference, equal hardness. And he demonstrates with, with his hands that he can set these things into sort of a resonant frequency where they're bouncing against each other. It's like that thing you see on the desk of some business guy, some CEO with the five balls and you pull the one ball back and it knocks the far ball away but he can get it in a three-dimensional way where these balls are basically bouncing and there's a pattern. There's a pattern that can be ultimately like more and more chaotic, but he defines it as like, oh, I forget the terminology, but it's, it's a sort of resonance. Right. And I'm, I'm playing with the idea that what they're trying to do is load up these two sides of American politics and start you know, just bouncing them against each other, man. Like, not that they haven't, you know, they're already doing it. They're already doing it. Again, I feel like I'm stretching, but. Well, I sort of think about things like the Matrix, you know, with the, the big battery. Um, it's, it's like, I do wonder sometimes if it's all about the, you know, the emotional resonance. And that's why there's so much stirring in things like media, et cetera, the, bull, the, the brainwashing. Um, to create a certain frequency, which is an emotion um, and like a negative frequency. And I don't know, I'm just sort of thinking about batteries. We need back, we need negative, positive. What is it that they're drawing from? If that's a thing, that's very conspiratorial. But if we want to think about the universe as electric and vibrational and energy and frequency, then that's a possibility. Whatever these entities might be, <laughs> multidimensional or, I don't know, maybe the military's harnessing it somehow. Who knows what they're doing? Well, I don't, I don't think you're really far off base at all, Mike, um, because the, the people are being deliberately spun up. Uh, I think that's, that's obvious to anyone who is paying attention, especially the people that have invested portions of their identity into Stop one it. side of the political spectrum or another.
Um, but I don't think it's to set them against one another. I think it's actually, it, I mean, that's fine if it happens, you know, that's just another convenient byproduct, but I think it's more to set both of them against the people who just want to be left alone. I think it's to create a predictable result. Hmm. That too. Organized. It's never just one thing, is it? Organized chaos. Exactly. Multifaceted. And actually I just, I just discovered this video. I mean, well, I, this is the one I was watching earlier. Um, He calls it parametric instability. Okay. And he describes it as, you know, when there's a boat on the ocean and there's, intense waves there can become a point where the listing of the boat right hits a resonant frequency with the waves and it becomes paris param, parametric instability where it, it it'll it'll tip the boat over and let me let me just play this uh i hope y'all are just in for it at this point i'm not gonna keep apologizing for for my <laughs> can i can i give a reaching, slightly yeah go ahead I, go ahead what i think might be a slightly clearer version of what you're just trying to say there is like for instance if you threw um you know one or two rocks into a lake you're going to get lots of different ripple effects and then you're going to get different interactions um between those ripples so there's going to be slightly different energy um waves happening or energy collisions happening as opposed to over there and over here, it's going to be a little bit different. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all interacting at different times and different, nodes different and points of chaos. And... Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I was trying to simplify it, but I think I just fucked myself up. No, no. All right. Well, should I play this thing? Let's do it. Fuck it. This is a video on parametric instability. You should first watch our video called Parametric Excitation. Uh, To motivate this, let's look at something that we did in another video called Period of Simple Harmonic Motion. This is a mass on a spring, and we we looked at vertical motion here, or longitudinal motion. And what we found is that the period of this small amplitude motion here, the time for one cycle, is the same as the period at any other amplitude, in particular, a, a pretty big amplitude. It's the same value. Okay. Now let's ask what seems to be a simple question here. What happens if we change the mass? Well, I'm going to replace it with a smaller mass. Okay. Now it's uh, we should get because there's less inertia. We should get a shorter period. And you can see here that the period of small amplitude motion is shorter and the period of large amplitude motion should be the same, should be shorter. Okay, but there's a problem. Look at that. We've, energy has gone into a pendulum type motion and you can do this all day long, okay, no matter how carefully You try to excite this longitudinal mode. Above an amplitude threshold, the mode is going to be unstable. It'll go into pendulum motion. So what's going on here? 
Well, the short answer is parametric excitation. Um, and in a previous video, we looked at different cases. And one of the cases was length modulation of a simple pendulum. I can do this here. Um, I have a simple pendulum, and I am now modulating the length. And you can see my, the drive frequency here is approximately twice the pendulum frequency. Whenever you modulate an oscillator, whenever you modulate a parameter upon which the frequency depends, you can get parametric excitation. So what's happening here <clears throat> is Here, I'm externally driving the system. Here, the system's not being externally driven. It's a mode. It's a mode of the system that is parametrically driving a pendulum mode. And it's parametrically driving it by length modulation. This mode is modulating the length of one of the two pendulum modes here. Now, I need to say something else about this because it's important. Um, for small amplitudes, the longitudinal mode here is uncoupled from either of the pendulum modes. By uncoupled, we mean there's no, they don't influence each other, okay? I, I can excite this and nothing happens, it just the energy just stays there and I can cite a pendulum mode and nothing stay, it, it stays there too, okay? What happens at bigger amplitudes is other forces come into play here, forces between the two modes from one mode on the other. And we call that nonlinearity. And we need that here to understand what's happening. If the modes were uncoupled, I could put this, drive this at very high amplitude and it will never excite the pendulum mode. Okay, one more thing. We're exciting this a pendulum mode here. Where's that energy coming from? It's not coming from me. This is not, this is not, an, this is not an externally driven system. The energy, there's only one place it can come from. It comes from the longitudinal mode. So the amplitude of that mode has to go down. When you, and it's a little bit difficult to see, but now you can see it. It's going down, okay? It has to by energy conservation. Okay, so this parametric instability phenomenon that we saw in this example here, it's a general phenomenon. It occurs in many different types of systems of coupled oscillators. Uh, and one interesting example happens to be very similar to this. A ship at sea will bob up and down due to waves hitting the ship, okay? If that frequency is approximately twice the rocking frequency, okay, and the amplitude is high enough, you can excite this rocking motion. This has actually happened to ships at sea and the rocking motion can be severe, okay? And it has, it, it, it has caused extensive damage in ships. So it's something that's to be avoided. Okay, let's look at one more example of parametric instability. Here's a system of two coupled pendulums. They're identical pendulums, okay? And a standard demonstration that's done here is a small amplitude de demonstration of what we call beating. Okay, if I start the energy off in one of the pendulums, <clears throat> you can see that it's driving the other pendulum. And because they're identical, this is a resonance here, 
at one point, right about there, <clears throat> almost all the energy in that pendulum has gone to this one. And now this one's driving that one. So the system is responding at two frequencies here. There's a fast frequency that you see here, relatively fast. Then there's this relatively slow frequency of energy going back and forth. And it's not, it's a dramatic demonstration and it's not really obvious what's going on. The way that it's explained is by looking at what are called the normal modes of a system, okay? The normal modes of an oscillatory system are modes where there's just a single frequency that's occurring, okay? So there are two normal modes here because there's two pendulums. And if you think about it, you can guess what those normal modes are, okay? Here's one of them. It's a symmetric mode, equal amplitudes in phase. There's just one frequency there. Okay, what's the other one? Right, the other one is equal amplitudes, but 180 degrees out of phase, one frequency. So by superposing or adding together these two modes, you can understand the linear beating, but that's not what we're after here. What we wanna ask is what happens at larger amplitudes? Well, these normal modes you can show, these normal modes now influence each other. There's nonlinear coupling. And so there's a chance for parametric excitation. So let's check that out. Here's the anti-symmetric mode at high amplitude. Okay, and nothing's really happening. It's kind of a jerky motion of the coupling knot there. What about the symmetric mode? Well, turns out when you solve this, you find that lurking out here is an ampl a critical amplitude, an amplitude threshold. If you're above that amplitude, and I'm above it right now, watch what happens. I start off with this nice symmetric mode, and it goes unstable. This pendulum soaks up a, a lot of the energy, right? Now you can... You know, it, for anybody listening, you really would be better served watching the video with this where he's demonstrating it with, you know, a physical prop. Um, yeah, the video element's very important for these demonstrations. Yeah, but I, I want to just kind of reiterate the point that I think these principles, if true, are true everywhere all the time, right? And I think when we create a diametrically opposed kind of society of people, maybe we behave with these um, characteristics, right? Spinning us up. Somebody said that. Like that, that to me feels like they're, they're, exerting force on the system to to make us resonate at a higher frequency and we're in like this disjointed um flow with one another as a society this back and forth this oscillation and once it reaches what he called what a critical amplitude it becomes unstable right whether it's on purpose or not i'm not sure it sort of feels like they're doing it on purpose there's um it reminded me of when you swing on a swing set, right? And you reach that point where you feel weightlessness and you kind of mm. squirm a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's that chaos. That's that element of chaos. And then it starts to go kind of disjointed and it like then suddenly you end up with all that energy in the other one <laughs> or something, you know. 
And with all his demonstrations, uh, even just like when you're at the top of the spring with the weight, it's kind of like that. Like there, that there's where that element of chaos comes in. If it's too much amplitude, like you said. Yeah, that's that that's what's happening here, though. That's that's the uh, that's the thing is like all the extra energy that that it can't use ends up uh, changing the pattern, and that that's that's what's happening. It's uh, it makes sense. It makes sense whenever you're you're swinging anything, you know, um, that whatever's excess to the length of the uh, the the thing that's moving um, will cause it to go off kilter. And it would depend on what element you're using as well, because to do that to something solid like steel or something would be different to doing it with something like water, which is going to produce things unpredictable things like drops which are going to splash into things and create further chaos i don't know that's just what came to mind so it's going to be um subjective i guess i'm starting to believe that there's really no such thing as chaos well that's sort of the argument that's what he was trying to say in the first video i showed right about chaos is that it's not random you know it's chaotic but it's not random it's it's just multiple sort of feedback loops of energy sort of playing on themselves right in a three-dimensional or however many dimensional space um right like it looks on the outside chaotic but it truly is a pattern it's a it's it's something that can be replicated predicted in some ways maybe controlled and i think this is how they view people You know, I Rob can confirm up. that this is exactly how they view people. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. If you look into uh, the topic of cybernetics and how it came into being and how it was employed, uh, eventually mm -hmm. you'll get to things like the Macy conferences and the structural engineering uh, of society. And that's that's just up to the 1960s. So imagine what they've been able to do with this uh, knowledge in the time since then. Yeah, it is very ancient knowledge, as, as you're pointing out. I think, Drizzle, if you look at some of the old cathedrals and some of the old um, temples and things, they've been architecturally designed around this science, reson resonance and um, shapes, you know, um, every building has its own frequency as well, which yeah, was... Well but, but what is a frequency, right? It's just, it's a flow of energy. And, and once you can kind of get your head wrapped around that concept, you can apply that to other systems and, and mm -hmm. that, uh, that will, that knowledge will scale with yep. whatever system you're working with. Yep. So basically like a building, for instance, if there's all this vibration and frequency sort of always constantly out there in the universe and that particular building will harness that frequency, that resonance, because it's built for that frequency. Mm -hmm. So um, religious yeah. <clears throat> buildings, holy buildings, etc. It is said that they were actually healing houses, not so much for, um, you know, praising but they were actually healing houses um, because of the way they harness frequencies, getting back again mm -hmm. to Royal Rife. And if you don't believe that, you're anti-symmetric. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, it was kind of funny realizing all of a sudden one day that the base of the Twin Towers bear a striking resemblance to tuning forks protruding from the ground. Hmm. It's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> I'm well, just saying. Uh, bear, bear snare just dipped. Um, uh, yeah, did he? Say, say bye to Bear Snare. Uh, he's had to go to bed. And, uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. And we we made it to three hours. Um, but did. yeah, we Bear did. Snare, my friend stayed freedom. There you go. Find him. Yep. Yep. Love guts. There's also something about 33 with the tin, Twin Towers. I'll just read this out. Mm. The Twin Towers stood for 33 years before they were collapsed by the international cabal. Mm -hmm. Just while we're on the subject. I didn't know that factoid until now. Thank you, Stella. That's awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. Episode 33. I can't believe it, you guys. Isn't that wild? <laughs> and, well, and on Halloween weekend, too. Mm -hmm. Halloween weekend. Yep. Two days to Halloween. Um, speaking of which, everybody loves to put on a mask on Halloween. Well, hold um, on. Hold on. Cause I just had something uh, drop in my brain, Mike. Uh, okay. Because I learned a little factoid this weekend that I think actually factors in. It kind of goes to the double pendulum uh, model that, that we were just witnessing. Uh, the Twin Towers, who were also, you know, allegedly representative of the twin pillars of uh, Freemasonry, Joachim and Boaz. Uh, they were meant to stand for uh, severity and mercy, right? Mm. And that's that's basically how you rule your society is through those two extremes. Mm. Also a gateway. Mm-hmm. Mm um, there's one more little thing. Can I read this? Mm -hmm. The Towers of Light Memorial, which stood in place of the Twin Towers after their collapse shown every night between March 11th and April 13th, exactly 33 days. 44 bulbs in each light times two lights comes to 88. It took 88 years to birth the European Union. It's all this, They love this symbology. They just love it. Mm. <laughs> it's everywhere. 33 is everywhere. Well, yeah, you know, I can't look at an Oreo cookie without seeing a double cross. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what y'all are talking about. You can always trust your government, right? They would never, ever deceive you in any way, shape or form. They would never uh, create a false flag event or I don't know, hurt any of their own citizens. Like never, ever. It could keep you safe. It could keep you from getting shot. It could keep you alive. I'm asking. People are amazed that there was a job title called Chief of Disguise. And most women I know wish they'd had that job. Sounded like fun. Actually, it was fun. I don't think another intelligence agency in the world devoted the time and the budget to disguise like we did. Disguise became a form of body armor. In the spy museum, we call the mask five-second mask. They proved invaluable. You could change your ethnicity. You could change your gender. You could change your nationality. And if you needed to, you could actually become another person 
When I was chief of disguise, we had already begun using Hollywood stunt double masks. That was a technology that came straight out of LA. We worked with men named John Chambers, who had done all the makeup for Planet of the Apes. He has a definite gift for mimicry. They could spend five hours putting on a mask. They could spend an hour taking it off. And they could shoot it again and again and again until they got the lights just right. Our mask had to be perfect in the car. When you got out of the car, you had to know without a mirror that you were good. The point of all of our masks was speed. You had to imagine that you were going to be in situations that you couldn't even anticipate. An officer somewhere picks this thing up, just puts it on in five seconds and knows that it's right, that he's invisible. If you had to sit and tinker with this thing, if you needed a mirror, it wasn't going to be useful to you at all. The masks were full face latex masks. It allows you to furrow your brow. It allows you to squint your eyes. It allows you to speak. You talked. Um, the specific mask we're talking about would fit just one person. The first thing we do is we make a face impression. If you've been to a dentist that never had a dental impression, it's the same thing. It's just your face, not your teeth. So they would have added to his face. They could rearrange his face a bit and give him a new face that would fit perfectly over his real face. We never used Okay. That might be enough. Um, you get the point. They can, they can make you look like another person. And I think there's been a little bit of question about whether or not the person we're seeing in the photographs with this main thing is for sure the same guy. Like supposedly there was 911, 911 call where there were two people. Supposedly it was reported that it was two folks. Of how often does that happen at false flags? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I think of Columbine where where there was so many people uh, that they say were doing it. And uh, and then the fact that the two guys were put down pretty early in the thing, but the shooting still continued afterwards. So. Yeah. Always fun. Yeah, well, I mean, we can go all the way back to Vegas if you want to. Because uh, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that there wasn't one guy mm -hmm. doing all of that damage. We're not supposed to talk about that one, Drizzle. <laughs> that's the one. That's Voldemort right there, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's Voldemort. That, yeah. Is that going to get us kicked off the stream? I don't know. I don't know. Who, who's to say? We can. We can. Well, we can talk about it, you know. We just yeah. have to uh, be careful uh, with our words and, and how we choose to speak them. Yeah. It's so weird, though. That one just, it's like gone. People don't think, people don't remember. People mm -hmm. have been stuffed full, man. People have been just force-fed with shit, and now they can't remember. They have no context. They have no history. Well, I think I'm starting to understand that the average, at least the average American, because I, I can really only speak on what I have direct reference for, but it seems to me that the memory of the average American is deliberately compartmentalized, right? 
and and it's done through through the mass media. There's really no other way that I could see it being possible. Um, but it's it's this constant stream of overstimulation, right? That that allows like these mechanisms to be tripped in you know the human psychological makeup and and it's done in such a subtle fashion that unless you really spend time looking at it and trying to unravel all of the various threads it again appears random right it appears like chaos but if you're really paying attention right and you're you're looking at all of it and kind of letting the different pieces fall into place all by themselves not you know forcing anything just letting it happen you can see patterns develop in it i'm actually seeing a pattern i'm seeing a pattern based on again back to the patents of um the acoustics and energy uh audio energy and sympathetic frequencies and how they interact and exactly what that guy that was holding up the audio speakery thing with the playing the eagles to the crowd we couldn't hear it but they could because it was buried within that frequency it wasn't actually coming it wasn't audible from the speaker it was audible further on when it merged into the audio frequencies if you look at how that all that works and i'm seeing a pattern or, or an exact copy copy and paste that into propaganda so uh, and the the mass amount of energy that uh, of in, information, which is energy, um, coming out at us, and so you might get like a certain frequency of understanding with this, and but you don't. It's not long before then this other frequency of this comes out, this alteration or this other information or distraction or whatever it may be that they're constantly plowing out at on mass, covering everything. You know, um, it's almost like everything kind of gets. Um, uh, well, coloured in the way that they wanted, or or cancelled, cancelled out. You know how audio frequencies can cancel each other out, and I feel that maybe that's how they're operating the propaganda and the information is sort of based on the physics of acoustics as well. Like so, our brain is taking in that same principle, but in information. Is that far out? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man, pretty far out, man. No, <laughs> no it's I. I think what I heard him say is that they they bury the music like they overlay it on this bass frequency that makes it travel, right? So it's almost like there's there's dual frequencies, dual sounds being projected. And um I think to make that, it very directional. That's sort of the point of that too. Yeah, yeah well, and it, I think it, it it's similar with propaganda where that's why you have to look through, you have to sift through the details to figure out where the agenda really is. Like the subtleties of the things they say are the overlay, right? The, the little subtle hints at what they want you to think and what they want you to do are buried in the, in the high, high frequency. And you got to kind of like listen for those little like keywords, right? I don't know. That's nothing new to any of us, but I'm, I don't really know how audible or conscious it really is. Yeah. Well, and there might be more and more, um, what do they call it? Subliminal messaging going on. Yep. Like, yeah, it's pretty much what it is like acoustics. And, yeah. 
yeah. um, subliminal acoustics. It's a good way to describe it, actually. And that's, I mean, that's how they're using their directional energy weaponry with acoustics as well. And they're also using this to induce weather. Um, that's a whole other thing. They're really, they've really harnessed the acoustics thing. I mean, it's 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 quite amazing because it's simple, isn't it? It's quite, I wouldn't say cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than using weaponry and all that sort of thing. Is just being able to harness acoustics, harness the energy, <laughs> the free energy that's already there. You know, creating acoustics, which is energy, and it's just as simple as sound, but it's so effective. So it's almost like they've simplified their complexities down to frequency, energy, and vibration. Yeah, now they can uh, create a Category 5 hurricane in uh, six hours. Earthquakes, volcanoes, yep. Yeah, yeah let's Power talk about that before we yeah. we finish out here. Um, so what's up with Acapulco, uh, the drizzle? Uh, Acapulco is obliterated, uh, from what I can tell. Um, let me see. So uh, allegedly there, uh, there is some power restored in uh, parts of Ar Acapulco today, particularly the downtown area. I've only heard one report of that, so I don't know how true that is. Uh, but uh, yeah, the damage that you're seeing from various postings on social media, uh, most of it does appear to be legit. This thing literally came out of nowhere. There was uh, little to no warning of the population in the area, and it did serious damage, like to all infrastructure, everything. Like, I have no doubt that by the time this is said and done, the body count's probably going to be pretty high because of when this thing hit. Because it was after midnight. Um, and I know just from living down there the short time that I did, uh, that time of the night, a lot of people are sleeping. Hmm. And Sounds from familiar. what I heard, yeah, from what I heard from somebody living in Mexico, but not in the Acapulco area, there there really wasn't any warning as far as like the weather forecast is concerned. It literally came out of nowhere. And I looked at the track of the storm myself. Again, I don't consider myself an expert when it comes to uh, tropical weather systems on the western coast of Mexico. But I did watch quite a few of them roll through in the course of the last year and a half. And I didn't see any of the other hurricanes take the track that this one did. It looked inexplicable from what I saw on the radar. Like, a, I don't know that I can ever say that I've seen a hurricane travel in a straight line, certainly not into the mouth of a bay that is circled by mountains. Drizzle, can I ask, is there a warning system down there? You know how Lahaina, there was a warning system that didn't go off. Is there a similar thing in Acapulco? If there is, I don't ever remember hearing it. But again, for the time that I was down there and the systems that came through in that time, 
we were never under serious threat of anything. There was one where we got a, a heavy amount of rain. There was some flooding here and there. Uh, but uh, yeah, there was, there was no sirens, no, no nothing. Can I ask what the smart city situation is with Acapulco? I you have know? not had a chance to look into that uh, myself. Uh, I'm planning on doing that over the course of the next few days, but uh, I would not be surprised to find uh, to find out that there was something like that going on. I did hear from another source that apparently there was also a second hurricane that made the landfall in uh, under dubious circumstances within the same week prior uh, to the one that hit Acapulco. And I don't remember hearing about that one on the news previously. So there, there seems to be a bit of uh, weather shenanigans uh, going on. And, you know, who's, again, who's to say that it's not in service of uh, the climate narrative? You know, the, the yeah. U.S. Department of Defense was talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about weather weapons back in the 1960s and, and saying that they had the ability to direct weather systems at that time. Yes, it's been pub publicly claimed about a number of things that they have the power to do, including the volcanoes and including the earthquakes, which is why I can say it. I'm not talking out of my butt. They have said it themselves. Right. Uh, I, I would direct you to jimleesclimateviewer.com, um, brilliant information about weather manipulation, all sorts, not just the old archived so last century chemtrails. No, no, no. We're up to um, much more scientific technology now. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, here was the other thing that, that struck me as being really strange uh, from the, the report that I got earlier today, because I've lived through a few hurricanes myself. And what they said that the, um, from what they've heard from information that's been able to get out of the area, which again is not very easy at the present moment, uh, that the, the wind came in first like it wasn't raining it was just all of a sudden this incredible wind and then apparently i guess after the eye uh made the landfall and the storm started pushing further in then the rain came and that's like uh, again maybe that i've just weird not been in the right kind of storm but that's not been my experience in a hurricane yeah, uh, I've been in a weird storm in Austin, and I have also had plenty of experience with hurricanes being from the Gulf Coast. But uh, there was a there was a storm that came through, and it was so concentrated that you look you look at the weather map, and it looked like just like they ran a, a laser across the landscape. Um, it was super intense once it hit. But once it passed, everything was calm. It was it it was so strange because it was just torrential rain and hail. And then uh, after it passed, the, it, there was hardly any wind or anything. But yeah, they've been. I mean, they used it in the Vietnam War. It's 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 not classified information. They talk about seeding clouds in order to have mountain resorts have snow. Um, they, they seed clouds and they do a lot more than just seed clouds. There's 
all kinds of stuff. And then it plays into the climate narrative, like you were saying. They get to destroy mm -hmm. these places and rebuild it, uh, build back better. You know, there you go. You get your 15-minute yeah, um, city. Vietnam War was Operation Popeye. Sorry, we're losing well. Drizzle a bit there. Yeah, you, you, you're breaking up there, Drizzle. All right, well, well hopefully uh, it hopefully it gets better. Now you're good. Okay. Seems. So this is probably something that's not going to be an angle that most people are going to look at, but is obviously something that I take into account having lived down there and understanding a little bit about the local power structure. The Mexican federal government does not have uh, basically any control over the area around Acapulco. Like it's the local governments and the cartels that pretty much say what goes and they tend to work together fairly well. So they do a good job of keeping the Mexican federal government out of there. They've done so for a long, long time and the federal government has punished them for it to like some of the lengths that the federal government has gone to is like basically rerouting all of the international air traffic that would go to Acapulco and sending it to Mexico city first so that you have to stop over in Mexico city, possibly spend some money there. And then you have to make like a, a two or a four hour trip down to Acapulco. Um, so, you know, another angle that you can look at this is, if we're talking about they, them, those, and, you know, trying to hit as many birds with one stone as possible, uh, they just did a pretty damn good job of wiping out uh, the local power structure in Acapulco so that somebody can now come in and fill that void. Rebuild the structure and get some huge whacking contract? Not just contract, but gain control of an area that yeah. up till now they have not had uh, centralized control of a lot like Lahaina. Of course, yes, yeah, great, great point. Makes sense. Infrastructure build back better, better for well, them, and to single out the people that maybe aren't going with the program, right? You know, Hawaiians have like a strong nationalistic tendency more towards Hawaii than to the United States. Um, you could probably say that of a number of places, Texas, um, you know, myself, I, I love identifying as a Hoosier. I'm a proud Hoosier. My family's from here, you know, eight, nine generations of Hoosiers, you know, so I, I get it. I get it. Um, I don't know. Well, what do y'all think? I, it feels like maybe we ought to wrap her up. Any any final topics need covered or any final thoughts? Or uh, we're we're all the way past the three hour mark. We should just uh, just call her call her a, a show there. Yep. Happy thirty three, friends. Happy maybe we should 33. make it to eleven more we... minutes. So it can be three thirty three. Yeah, we can. Yeah, look, we can force look. it, but. <laughs> little fun fact before we go so we're talking fahrenheit here 32 uh -huh. degrees fahrenheit is ice 33 degrees fahrenheit is water hmm. join us <laughs> <laughs> yep better to be i would say better to be water 
if if I was gonna guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been very fond of ice tonight because of uh, burning my hand pretty bad on a on a Pyrex bowl. Uh, but I want to thank Stella really quick because she told us and told me in the chat aloe vera, and then I remembered that I have a nice little aloe vera garden at, at my house and uh, and snap that on, and that helped out quite a bit too. So ice and aloe vera, and now it's finally gotten to the point where I don't need to have my hand in the ice anymore. <laughs> Unreal. Keep the aloe vera on you overnight. Good call. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Right on. Uh, well, we did lose a few along the way, so <laughs> I guess we'll start by plugging them. We had Rob from Black Labs Podcast. Uh, we had Bear Snare. And he he does what? My Friends Hate Freedom? My Friends Hate My yeah. Freedom? Yeah. My friends hate, hate freedom. freedom. Podcast no, it's my friends hate at, freedom. Yeah. At thebearsnare.com. And then there yeah. was OG Dad Bod. OG Dad Bod, whole lot of nothing. Um I'll um I'll include Ashley in my sign. Ashley. We got Ashley. So yeah, Mike the Polymath. I'm tuckered out. I'm going to bed. But easy peasy podcast. You can check all, all my links at easypeasy.ittybitty.tips. Yeah, always good to join you guys and see you again. Glad you're safe, Drizzle. Um, Ashley and I, are, you can find us on Union of the Unknowns, uh, Union Unknowns, or at Union Unknowns on Twitter, where you can find Ashley and convert with her, converse with her, <laughs> and um, yeah, pass you on to Ando. Burn Babylon Burn and the Doom Kitchen on uh, libertylinks.io slash the Doom Kitchen, and you can also email me at the Doom Kitchen at protonmail.com. What's up with Grand Theft World Liberty Radio with uh, Drizzle? Well, we are hoping to get back to our regular broadcast schedule this coming November 1st, uh, which is Wednesday, the day after Halloween. And uh, hopefully this issue that I've been having with the internet can get worked out by then. If not, uh, we're going to get really weird with it. Uh, but yeah, you can, uh, check out that and much, much more that I have my hand in at manufacturingreality.org. Start your link adventure there. Hell yeah. Well, uh, as usual, it's been a pleasure and I'm glad y'all made it. We had, we had one whole one here tonight, so Covered some ground, you know, drew some connections that may or may not be valid. Who's to say? I've got no firm answers for you, but I would ask you to keep asking what the fuck. How's that for I like a sign? That sign off? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> keep good, asking like what the fuck. What the fuck? Yes, any any relationship to anything logical is purely coincidental. <laughs> this is all satire, y'all. It's all satire.